Good morning, YouTube, and welcome to another edition of Texas Sports Unfiltered. I am Bucky Godbold, and I am waiting to see my partner in the morning, Brad Kellner, but I do not see him. What I do see is a substitute teacher, which is Doc Trey, trailing the third, joining me this morning. It is, how about that, November 1st, 11-1-23, and Brad Kellner is nowhere to be found. Good morning, Trey Elling. How are you? I'm doing good, Buck. It's a pleasure joining you bright and early on this Wednesday and doing so to help our guy BK hopefully get to witness something that he's dreamed about for most of his life. And that would be being in person when the Texas Rangers win a world championship. Of course, we're going to talk about last night's game, but he is en route to Phoenix, Arizona right now to be in the stands with a buddy of his, at least a buddy of his, or maybe multiple people oh, yeah. meeting him there at this point, but to try and be there as the Rangers win their first ever title. And I got to say, as a Rangers fan, I know my opinion is biased, but I did pick the Rangers to win in five at the start of the series. I feel pretty good about Texas closing it out tonight. Yeah, after that display last night was just, it, it was phenomenal. A display that, I, had, I think I had been waiting for it. BK and I had been talking about it over the course of uh, the the American League Championship that this group at any time can score six or seven runs in an inning. And bang, last night you got two five-run innings from the, the Rangers, and they just destroyed uh, the Diamondbacks. They destroyed the D-Bags. Just, I mean, they got they disposed of them quickly last night. And I guess when it when it was all said and done, eleven to seven, when I woke up this morning, I I thought. What the hell happened late? Because I had gone to bed when it was when it was like ten to one. I said this thing is over with. But what happened? Were those just give up runs late in the late in the in the in the ball game? I mean, the runs are legitimate, but the runs also did come in the ninth and made the game look closer than it actually was. I mean, Texas was on cruise control with several innings left. Obviously, after scoring five in the second, five in the third. All 10 runs coming with two outs. They tack one more on. Both teams were taking key players out to give them a bit of a break and to allow other guys an opportunity to get some playing time. So ultimately, Texas does bring LeClerc in for that final out. Ironically, he gives up the two runs that Bochi was trying to avoid. Will Smith giving up just before that, but he does get the final out too. On a pop-out, I think technically the catcher may have caught that one. Mm -hmm. out territory, and the Rangers do win. And this magical postseason for this team continues, starting with the fact that they still haven't lost a road game, and there is a chance they make it through the playoffs not losing a single road game. That's incredible. Along with even more adversity with being without two guys the rest of the way in this World Series with both Garcia and and Max Scherzer taken off of the postseason roster. This this uh, this team they clearly care about one another, and they are ready to uh, to pick their fallen uh, teammates down by other guys stepping up. And last night it was not just Jankowski who was playing for Garcia, but you finally see Marcus Simeon's bat wake up. Wow. Really at the perfect possible time, right? Yeah, it was it was it was that was great to see. And Seager's just phenomenal when he comes to bat. I'm thinking home run every time he get, gets up there. But Simeon, I thought last night. He Simeon absolutely last, clubs the ball. Yeah, I mean, Simeon last night was on target. He just was 
he was as good as it gets. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cabasas, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so very much for what you do, and do be safe out there. And how was uh, how was your trigger night of trigger treating with the kids last night? Trigger treating was fine. I am not a big dresser upper for Halloween. Some parents are totally respect that. I've thought about doing it on a given year. I might do something small, but this year I was just resigned to wearing a jacket that kept me warm. Oh, yeah, I could put my hands in the pockets of and watch the kids have fun, and they did have fun. Viv was dressed up kind of dressed up as a werewolf she she's entering the too cool for a real costume phase where she had a, a werewolf mask but ultimately she's just wearing the the werewolf suit with cool. no mask on and calvin was dressed up like the most adorable pirate so some years we go with cartoon characters or a movie character something like that but they both went uh, fairly generic this this year and i'm okay with that yeah i think my my i saw some of my grandkids dressed up and my daughter, of course, was dressed up as what is that? Uh, um, something of the galaxy. What is that group? Guardians of the galaxy. Yeah. My daughter was dressed up as the, the hot green chick. Mm. Yeah. And the kids were root and the rest of them. And it was they looked like they had some fun in Jacksonville, Florida last night. I was, you know, I was very worried about, you know, sending messages because I, I, I trusted my daughters and their husbands understand, you know, you know, with everything going on around the world, it, keep your keep your kids close in hand, head on a swivel last night, the whole works. And I'm glad Trigger Tree worked out well for the kids because I, I just, you know, I, I get those, you know, when I used to live in Circle C, I'd get those wandering kids who never got dressed up that would ring the doorbell at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, dressed up like their dads in business suits. They just go get a suit from their dad, no makeup, no nothing, and just want some candy. So I, I was worried about, goofiness going on throughout the world last night so how, how small are their dads if these kids are borrowing their dad's suits my goodness i mean teenage guys you know teenagers go out at 13 14 when it was oh. time for them to be done with all the trick-or-treating they just wanted to they just wanted the sugar burst so okay they i'm glad you're bringing this up because i was looking around last night acknowledging myself how there seems to be a lot of high schoolers that are dressed up getting oh clean. yeah and everybody's just cool with it. So this was going on also back in the 1990s too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people still give you know if you dress up, put your dad's suit on and a tie on, and you know wear his glasses. People will still give you candy today. But I used to try to check when those guys were hitting the doorbells at, at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I'd be like, "Come on, man, go home. You don't need this candy. Go steal it from your little brother or something." You know, but they still do it. But I, I, I just didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't notice that because nobody comes to my house. I'm behind this gate, so you know you can't get in here. And these well, crazy—that's that's sad. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess there's I, probably not a whole lot of kids walking those hills, though. They're probably no, hell no. Nobody has little kids. They're all there. This is like an adult neighborhood with kids that are already in college. You know what I'm saying? And they yeah. don't do the trick or treat thing. So, dude, I imagine if there's a hilly neighborhood that kids are uh, not only going for candy but also reaping some serious sweet rewards. It's that neighborhood that's right next to Covert Bee Cave. Oh, yeah. It's, it's down a little bit. You take the right and you kind of wind through to get Sweetwater. over to That's yeah, a Sweetwater that, neighborhood. That is a beautiful neighborhood that, uh, yeah, there, there are some houses that may be passing out the either the full-size or even the king-size <laughs> candy bars. Unlike me handing out the toothbrushes. 
<laughs> Come on, your Uncle Buck. Don't do that. Yeah. That's I, right. Sal's asking about me putting floss in the yeah. bags. Floss in the bags. Considered a, a, a broccoli sprout option, but ultimately I let my wife take care of that. And she does a good job having a variety of candy. We're not home though to pass candy out. We just we're in that category of people because we still have kids that are of that age where we just put it on the edge of the steps leading to our front door. Now, when our kids become too cool for school, we will start to do the Halloween thing. And I'm a much bigger fan of forcing the kids to knock on the door. Oh yeah. And then say trick or treat than just taking candy out of a, a basket, you know? Oh no, no, no. You got to come and knock on my door and say trick or treat to me. But I passed that a long, long time ago. My kids have kids and you know, it's, it, it's, we're, we're to that point in life and now where i live it's just nobody all they do is hear those two great pyrenees out there and they're like we're not stopping at this house first of all we can't get to the door and we're definitely not going over that fence for an old dude that's got these two big huge monster dogs that just sound like they're ready to take you apart so it it was it was it was a quiet night out here i'm just glad that the kids all over had a good time i hope everybody was safe and and I, i'm glad trick-or-treat was always kind of fun for me my I still, for years and years, I kept my 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 oldest son, who's now almost forty years old. I kept his Lion King outfit up in the attic. That's cute. And would bring that and say to him, "Hey, are you going out this year?" And he'd be like, "Dude, get up!" He goes, "What are you doing with that thing?" And uh, I I I'm a I'm like keeper of old stuff like that. I I had once had from Christmas. I had my daughter's uh, little tyke. It was like. Barbie house. I mean, it was like a house made out of that little tight material. Yeah. And my son got rid of that thing when I guess his mom said, Hey, throw this out. Your dad won't notice that it's gone. And he threw it out and the garbage truck took that thing away. I was broken up. Mm. I was going to keep that to give to my grandkids. I was going to pass that down. And all the grandkids would probably would go, Oh, we don't do that. We don't, they would have, you know, they would have loved to have had their mom's stuff. Well, you know, I don't know what they have or some of that stuff just too antiquated. I don't think it's antiquated. I've got a, I've got right here. This is a magazine called American, American. girl. Yeah. My daughter Jordan is in this magazine playing soccer. Whoa. I, can't, I can't wait to give that to her daughter. I don't know if she has it, but I still have, have it when my daughter Jordan was in this magazine as a, as a kid, as a probably eight year older, I'm going to give this to my granddaughter. I don't did know when it is. Free, did y'all get some free American Girl stuff for her appearing in that magazine? No, that was, ex- no, that was an no. expensive doll. No, it was. This was just. Uh, she was in this. They chose her to be in this for soccer, and uh, I decided I kept this magazine. I still keep it. It's still down there with my Katarina Vitt. You know that I have of Katarina Vitt. Please keep those two magazines separate. These are <laughs> very different categories of magazine here. Yes, yes, but I don't want the American Girl magazine touching the Playboy. Oh, come on, I, I just that, that one. Yeah, that one's been up here because I'm going to do that. I think for Christmas and and give it to my to my grand my granddaughter and That's let her cool. see her mom as, as when she was about that age. So you're not really a pack rat, but you're somebody who obviously holds on to things for sentimental reasons. Yeah. I mean, I still have my, I, I've got Trey, I've got stuff from, you know, when I was in high school, I have a, the scrapbook of me and the big 33 game and, you know, articles leading up to me being, you know, football player in the state of Pennsylvania playing in the, I have, I have all that stuff. I, I kept that, you know, I got to have that in, in my, my divorce. I got to keep, I, I got that. I kept it. I don't know how I got to have it, but believe me, that's the stuff I got. 
Now my Doug Flutie, my Bobby Orr stick and Bobby Orr jersey, I don't have those things. I mean, autographed to me. I don't have those things. Mm. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to a bunch of Ricky stuff gone. Say goodbye to it, never to be seen again. But I did keep the magazines and the clips and stuff like that. So I'm happy with that. Texas Longhorns, of course, uh, they're college football's first. Uh, well, their top, their top 25 or top 20 is out. And Texas, number seven, about about the spot that I thought they would kind of be in seven or eight. Yep. I, I didn't think they would get to be six. I thought I thought Washington would would probably stay in there, Florida State in there. Ohio State being number one. I always say, hey, don't take the champion out until they lose. But Georgia has – I mean, they've struggled the last couple of weeks. They're still undefeated. They haven't been beaten three years. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else you can do. You can only beat the teams in front of you. Whether you struggle or not, you're still – nobody's beat you. You've been the back-to-back national championships, you know, done that. And so I don't know why Ohio State, except for strength of schedule, you know, they did beat Penn State. They did beat a Notre Dame team that was struggling at the beginning of the season. So I, I guess it's all right. It'll all come out in a wash over the next couple of weeks anyway. Yeah, it definitely will. I think I'm with you. I'm keeping Georgia there until they give you a true on reason not to, especially because sure. the committee is touting that Ohio State has two wins over what is a top 13, top 15 teams in the poll and nobody else has more than one. Like, yeah, that does matter, but it was also a, a Notre Dame team that was that played a very weird game and should have won that game. And then Penn State, who, uh, you know, once again, the James Franklin effect comes into play. But they do have those two wins. You look at the best win right now, Texas is in the conversation for that. I think that probably still goes to Washington, uh, especially, or even with, Alabama playing better like they have yeah. been over the last month. I've been impressed with Jalen Milrow and his development as a passer, but that Alabama team two games in the year was a very different team. So uh, Washington has the best win. Texas probably has the second best win. Ohio state has more quality wins, but when you look at uh record of teams on the schedule so far, Texas is up there too. I mean, some of the teams that we took for granted earlier this year oh, yeah. turned out to be pretty solid squads. Now there are exceptions, of course, Baylor, for instance, I'm not totally sure where Rice is, but uh, Wyoming is a pretty good team right now. Kansas uh, has an argument as one of the top four or five teams, I think, in the Big 12 right now. Huge game for them in Ames this weekend, a statement game for them. And uh, then obviously the Alabama game, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it works for, for, for Texas where they are. I mean, the number four team in the nation that, that they've picked by the college uh, football playoff committee pick was Florida State. Florida State, I think right now, is the best team in the nation. I don't, I, the records, uh, I mean, this is, this is a group right now, offensively, defensively, the quarterback's playing great. He'll be, he'll be in New York. He'll find a way if they can stay, you know, if they don't lose to Clemson in the end, if they don't, if they don't lose a big game, they'll be in the playoffs. But I, and I think they have the best team right now, Florida State. They're playing like the old Florida State teams. Yeah, and who's left on their schedule? It's Miami and Florida, right? Yeah. Tough scheme teams on their schedule. So they'll have a couple more chances to prove themselves. You may be right about that. Just in terms of most complete team right now, I think the argument is between them and Michigan. Yeah, and I think Michigan got dropped out of the top two because of what's going on. Because uh, of, they're going to get hit with the – somebody's going down over this, you know, sign-stealing thing. And I don't know if the committee – I know the committee's going to tell you that they, they didn't use that 
as part of this. They, you know, as, as they said, this is on the NCAA. This is not on us. Our job is to get the best four teams together, which I think they have when you, when you look at the four teams. But I think they dropped Michigan out of the number two slot. Um, I think they understand that something's about to go down in Michigan so, or somebody's going down. But it won't, it won't happen. It's not going to happen during the season. <clears throat> you know, there, there's nothing that's going to happen. If the NCAA were to try and rule something during the season, the NCAA – excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm having to clear my throat here a little bit. Uh, the NCAA does not have the authority that some people still believe it does because authority requires respect, and nobody respects the NCAA at this point. So for Michigan right now, you're about to see them challenge the NCAA's authority in a way where we may see the NCAA completely on the outside looking in. Could be, yeah. Relates to the college football playoff going forward. And quite frankly, hopefully for the sport on the whole, the NCAA has been a net negative to college football for a long time now, continuing to drag their feet in the face of obvious things that are happening. And as a result, operating five to 10 years behind where they need to be as the supposed authority and leaders of all of college sports, but the most lucrative college sport in college football. Well, I, but I, I've got to believe that the, 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 the bodies that make a difference, and that's the presidents of the universities it's supposed to be, are not going to let they, – they, they just had a coach that set out the first four games at Michigan for violations – now, violations, whatever you want to call them, he set out the first four games, and now he's in the midst of stealing signals and 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 still being undefeated. And teams throughout the Big Ten are going, "Wait a minute, this guy had a guy here at our game." And I just, I got to believe that they're gonna they're gonna co- come together and they're gonna let the NCA rule on some stuff when it comes to the University of Michigan. Uh, they're not gonna they're not gonna stop them from getting into the college football playoffs. But they're going to make sure that next year – Jim Harbaugh is probably not going to be coaching at Michigan next year. He's going to take the Pete Carroll method and get the hell out of there and get into the NFL as quick as he can. I don't believe he – I don't think he's going to – he's longing to stay at Michigan. Or there's they something not, in the water in the state of Michigan. Michigan State, you know, paying their guy all kinds of money and then him doodling himself over the phone and stuff. I don't know what's going on. You know the Nasser thing that's that's gone on in Michigan. Something's in the water in the state of Michigan. That their 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 universities are just garbage right now. But I don't think they're going to let Michigan get away with this after the, after the season. I think Jim. I think Harbaugh will say bye, y'all. I don't know how much true authority they have here. Like I understand that the school presidents and ADs are trying to give Charlie Baker the benefit of the doubt as the new head of the NCAA mm-hmm. he is working hard federally to try and get some sort of legislation passed that you can say that it's doing other things and it certainly is. But the bottom line with the attempts at legislation here is keeping these schools from being on the hook and having to consider the student athletes as employees of the university, all while arguing that these collectives and that the whole NIL process needs to go through the schools themselves. If that doesn't make those student athletes employees more so than ever, I don't know what does. Right. But by the same time, I think that there is a world and this ends up happening in two years where the NCAA is responsible for every college sport, except for college football. Well, I can, I, yeah. And that probably should happen sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with the, with the, with the size of the leagues and, the changeover and the realignment. Yeah. They, they need to be in charge of other sports, other parts of it, you know, let them continue to make their, 
try to make their money with basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, you know, things like that. They, they need to do that, but control of football, the money's too big. The market's too big. You know, the conferences are bringing in all kinds of money. The the TV rights are, are primarily, you know, for when it, when it comes to universities, it's about football. You know, you know, March Madness is great for basketball, but when it comes to who really, really dictates what goes on on college campuses when it comes to athletics, it's the football program. So the, the money's going to speak, you're right. And, and a place like Michigan, they can't, you can't afford to have them not playing football. You can't be banning them for games. You can do whatever you want to their coaches, but you can't be banning the, the programs, the football programs, not the ones that put 110,000 in stadiums, you know? Yeah, I mean, to give a program like Michigan the de- death penalty, not to say oh, no. that they deserve it here, that, that would be an impossibility, even if it was the most egregious violation. I mean, look at Penn State, what they went through a few years ago. Sure. That, that was deserving of much heavier penalties. As somebody just wrote in the uh, in the comments section here on YouTube, where did that go? Uh, yeah, here we go. CB, the NCA restored. What's up, CB? By the way, NCA restored Joe Pa's wins. Complete bullshit. Did the same thing with Baylor. They'll do the sh- same thing with Michigan too. The NCAA yeah. doesn't have authority in college football, so let's stop acting like they do. Well, that committee last night. You, you don't think they said they had that had nothing to do with anything? Why they, they can say that, in? but talk is cheap. Actions are in words, and I just don't believe that Michigan should be hot, be behind both Ohio State and Georgia right now. I just it should don't. either be one or two. Right, exactly. I mean, I, I understand giving Georgia the benefit of the doubt because they haven't lost a game in three years, but you also have to look at the quality of play this year because it's this year's roster that matters most, right? Yes. That's what it always is supposed to be about, but it's about – it's about what you've done in the past. It's about your the, the legends of your program. I mean, it has a lot to do with that. I mean, it's just human feelings. It's just a bunch of guys and gals in a room, 13 of them right. making that choice. But their feelings come into play. You know, mm-hmm. they've known about the history of Michigan and all that. They, they That stuff comes into play. You know, strength of schedule, all that other stuff. But if you're undefeated, you know, like Georgia, and all of a sudden you're sitting at number two, I, I'm like, I'm the two-time defending champ. I know it's a year-to-year thing. And I'm like you. I would have a hard time of moving Georgia out. I know they haven't played a, a high-powered schedule this year. But no matter what, nobody's beaten them. They haven't beat them in two years. Yeah. Going on three years. I don't know how you move How do you move the champ out, period. I mean, and it, it all play out. Once again, it's going to play out. Georgia has, like, one of the easier schedules from this point on. They play a couple – next couple of weeks they got toughness. But after the, after that – they're like cruising to the championship game for them again, you know, even, inter- in their, in, even in the in the SEC. It is interesting to look at the one-loss teams, Buck, starting with Oregon at six, and then the one-loss teams go through 13. Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Penn mm-hmm. State, Missouri, and Louisville. Just to think about the one loss for each of those teams. Like Oregon's losses to number five, Washington. Texas sure. lost to number nine, Oklahoma. Alabama lost to number seven, Texas. Ole Miss lost to number eight, Alabama. So the one loss for a lot of, of Louisville losing a pit, they're out, they're done. Yeah, Louisville losing a pit, that's the worst one. I don't remember who Missouri lost to. Penn State lost to number one, Ohio State. Right. So uh, a lot of these teams still very much in the mix. And as you said, these next few weeks are really going to start help some things to bear out. 
beginning with this weekend, a slew of matchups, probably going to be the best weekend for the Big 12 all year long, past, present, or future for the rest of the 2023 season. Georgia and Missouri are playing. But as far as this Texas-Kansas State game goes, Buck, uh, this is a game that's been a bit of a roller coaster ride in terms of the expectations. Preseason, you thought Kansas State is one of the two or three best teams in the country. They tripped a couple different times through the first six games, uh, losing, obviously, in last-second fashion on a 60-plus yard field goal to Missouri, who is, yes. of course, in the top 15 right now, top 12. And then losing a game to what we thought of as a bad Oklahoma State team at the time, the Friday before that Texas OU game, where Will Howard was terrible. That wasn't on the Oklahoma State defense. Will Howard was just bad that night. But it turns out Oklahoma State has gotten their shit together and is a yeah. decent team right now, too. So uh, th- this matchup in terms of this Saturday has gone from having high expectations to feeling pretty good about the possibility of win to now it being up in the air once again. I mean, this is a true-on challenge for both sides of the ball. I think especially the defense, too, that started to take steps back into the right direction over a bad BYU team last week. But I'm not totally sure what to expect right now. Texas is the favorite, but I don't feel confident that Texas is going to win this game on Saturday. No, neither did BK yesterday. Texas, he didn't have Texas, he didn't have any good feeling about Texas beating uh, K-State this weekend. I'm still kind of up in the air. I think the quarterback will take a, another step forward just because he played in a game, uh, had a little success. The team won the football game. His defense played well enough. They've got a lot of things that they have to, to sharpen up on. And I don't know if you sharpen up on physicality. The head coach talks about physicality every time he takes the podium. It's all about we have a mindset of physicality. I haven't seen it in the last couple of weeks. I've seen their defense be physical at times, but I don't see this offense and this offensive line being back to how they played against Alabama, going on the road, going to Tuscaloosa, saying, hey, listen, it's us against the world in Tuscaloosa. This is an Alabama team. We're playing against the legends of football going to Tuscaloosa. I haven't seen them play like that on the offensive line since then. Now, they've they've had some spurts here and there where the running back just got loose because he's a really fine running back, one of the tops in the nation, not just in this conference but one of the best running backs in the nation. But this offensive line hasn't done anything, you know, to, since uh, since Alabama to me that proves to me this is a tough physical where, where people thought they were the third or fourth best line in the country. They're, they're not even close to me right now. And I no, think they struggle in the, right pass game, the pass game and the run game right now. No, you're probably right about that. Actually, on the 3-5 to five show yesterday, Kevin – ran down pro football focus and their ratings for individuals, but also position groups too. And the Texas offensive line has been a better pass blocking team than they have. They have been a run blocking team. Again, it's pro football focus. Best sure. metric we have. It's fair to ask who's grading what here. Cause sometimes the ratings do seem a little bit off versus the eyeball test, but hearing that yesterday, it sounded accurate. Even with Jonathan Brooks being as good as he is this year, uh, there there have been times where the run blocking is left a little bit to be desired, and he's quite frankly making things happen on his own. Yes, yes. I mean, be, if you're a fan, just be a fan of the game. Pro football focus, yeah. I mean, certain guys have certain things that they do. Some of them are better at different positions. But look as a fan. Look as a fan of what you've seen from this football team, a fan of this football team. This team is not as physical offensively as they were they just they're just not I don't know if it's 
I know the injuries have come. The center has been banged up. The guard has been banged up. They've moved some guys around, but they're healthy enough that what's going on with them in the red zone and the goal line offense and, and this kind of stuff is, is kind of ridiculous to me. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're ranked in the start of the season and you don't have major injuries where guys are totally missing, but you got some guys who are banged up that are playing, you get down to the one-yard line and you can't get it in against Oklahoma. You can't get it in against BYU. You're having to bring in guys from defense to prove a point of we need more power in there. You haven't figured out as a coach, maybe we need to spread all their asses out and give it to our running back and let him find a way to crease these guys for a yard, for a touchdown. You haven't figured that part out. But more than anything, it's not – it's me saying do some different things, Sark. Yeah, spread them all out. Put them on one side and have just a couple guys. Jonathan Brooks will make a guy – you know, drag a guy in by the leg. He's not going to get knocked backwards. We haven't seen that dude get knocked backwards except for the goal line when you've got somebody dead smack in front of him and you're going in that direction. It's just – how do you not figure that? How do you not figure this out? But what it is more than anything, if you've been into coaching, it's just that lineup of guys up front versus whoever it's been on the other side can't move them. They don't get moved. It's stalemates. It's it's stalemate and it's penetration by the defense. It's not movement by the offensive line or your big guy that you bring in there, your 300 pounder that plays defense that doesn't block for a living. That's not what he does. There is going to be an opportunity for this offensive line to reassert their will against Kansas State on Saturday because yes. Kansas State, you look at some of the box scores and they've been decent against the run at times. Those are in games where they are blowing their opponent out, where their opponent can no longer afford to run the football. When the opponent has an opportunity to run the ball, happened against Texas Tech a few weeks ago. Oklahoma State is a great example. Obviously, all of uh, Ollie Gordon – the third has turned into a uh, very interesting story in the big 12 and in nationally too, by the way, he leads the yeah. country in rushing. Uh, but he didn't put up huge numbers because he didn't receive a ton of carries. This would be a good game to test Jonathan Brooks and his ability to touch the ball either by straight up running it or the occasional catch out of the backfield. Cause he sure. does have good hands. Well, uh, getting him 25 to 30 touches in this game and letting him work. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt you're at home. The thing about this game is, you got a real advantage of the fact that you're playing at home. You'll have 100,000 at 11 a.m. that will be ready to go. The temperature will be just great for football. You know, you've got a team that's, that understands people are talking about them as not being as physical anymore, that whole red zone thing. No, they only gave up six points last week. I mean, I, 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 after the game, I felt like they gave up 20 points or, or 30 points. It just felt that way. The they won the football. Yeah, I mean, it just didn't feel right. And I think more so than anything, it was after the fumble – they had the ball then for almost 10 minutes and they only, they only gave up a field goal in that drive, but it didn't feel that way. It just didn't feel physical to me. And the offense never felt physical to me. It just didn't. That special teams play the punt return really kind of set the tone, which they're still going to have to do this week. That's still got to be a part of what you do from this point on, because if your offensive line doesn't get going, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't get, it doesn't start to get better as time goes on. You get more, you know, the games get a little bit more tougher. You know, the, the pot that you're looking for, the pot of gold gets to be bigger. Mentally, I don't, I don't know. It just you start you, your 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 season starts to wear on you a little bit. So if your physicality hasn't been there, when does it show up again? Does it show up against Texas Tech? Does it show up at TCU? I don't know if it shows up there. So if it's not, if it wasn't to me last week against BYU, that team wasn't very good. If it didn't show up enough there, once again, they only scored six points. Your defense 
gave this group six points. You scored 35. You had a backup quarterback come in, so you had to do some nice things. I thought they, I thought they did really well. The receivers got open. I think the quarterback was – he was average, a little bit maybe above average for a first-time starter. Blake Murphy? Yeah, I, I mean, for a first-time starter, getting his first time in front of all, all that group, it's not spring practice. You're playing against – you're playing against somebody. I, I don't know if the if the, the coach put him in a great position, but I know this: if you're the coach and you've got your backup quarterback playing, and you're playing against a BYU team that you're really not that worried about, you got to find out what he can do and what he can't do. He could have turned around all day long and handed it off, but what does that what does that give you? I mean, what do you find out about him? Look, nobody was asking for a an eighty twenty run a run game plan last weekend's or 80-20 split that, uh, that benefits the run, but maybe not throwing it nine out of the first ten times. I agree. The game. Like there, there is a gray area there that Sark needed to do a better job of addressing. And when you look at Malik Murphy statistically and also go back and watch the game, most of what he was completing was behind the line of scrimmage. He sure. was almost 50% throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage. And there were a few times there, too, where he was throwing it into decent coverage, where a better defense might be making an interception there and flipping the field uh, for their offense. So they they need to be very careful with what they ask of Malik Murphy. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sark try and set up a, a deep shot or two early on to try there's and get... There's no doubt about that. There's there's no In this game, you're going to have to try to take chances. You're going to have to try to take him chance, chance early. You need to... You need to get a lead in this game. You can't put him under the pressure of, of having to throw into coverage if, if they're down by points. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, you know, don't, don't do that. Get that lead. Have your special team. That, the, the best thing that happened to them last week was the punt return to get them going. It, it really, really was. I, I didn't know. I, I wasn't there for the game. I don't know what the crowd was like, but I got a feeling that this crowd will show up at 11 o'clock for a really a, 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 a nice – weathered ball game you know and and to put to understand the importance of this this football game itself because it would have been an important game if Quinn yours was playing this week this would be this wouldn't this, I would be worried about this game I worried about this game all year anyway so it still is on my mind how do they escape do they escape he's still going to have to throw the ball down the field you're still going to have to get better in the in the red zone if you get to the red zone but he's also going to have to take this football team on drives of 60 yards and things like you're not going to get the ball at the 40 going in every time. No. Yeah, last weekend was a little bit of fool's gold in terms of that final score, the 35-6. to six. You mentioned the punt return touchdown. So that leaves four touchdowns to account for, and three of those four came when Texas defense was able to flip the field. So the yeah. Texas offense scores once from the BYU 39, and then the BYU 26, and then I believe the other one, was a rounder inside the the 10 or 5, too. So they they were given some gifts there. They did have one touchdown in the second quarter that went 75 yards, where, by the way, they ran it six times and threw it four. Didn't mind that balance at all, giving it mostly to Brooks and I think once or twice to C.J. Baxter as well. That probably needs to be the game plan this week. You need to be the more physical football team on both sides of the ball. It is a task, but now is the time for you to step up, especially because this offensive line is starting to get a little bit healthier. And there are guys that you know have it in them. We saw it last year. It's just about providing that sort of spark. And so I'm excited to see what the Texas offense can do. But I'm also nervous because 
I feel like Steve Sarkeesian sometimes gets really insistent with his game plan and believes that his quarterback should be able to do whatever is being called. And I just don't know about having Malik Murphy throw it into the intermediate part of the fields too often early in this game. Well, I, there's, there's still, there's, there's still teams playing them. They, they don't, you know, I don't know if this group will come after them. I think they, they think they can handle the Texas offensive line. So I think with their down guys, they, they, they think they can stunt, do some different things with their linebackers and get after Malik Murphy that way. But if they just stay in those zones, A.D. Mitchell seems to find a way to get into the zones, and this kid can fire into those zones. It's that ball that's just a little bit past that 8- to 10-yard spot that I get a little bit worried with him. But as you said, he can throw the deep ball, so let him loose if he's got a shot at some deep ones. You know, not throwing it up. You know, we're not throwing deep balls just for the sake of throwing deep balls. We're throwing them because we think we can hit those deep balls and you don't throw them into to, to coverage because your guys don't win those battles. And I haven't seen that in a long time here where the wide receivers win those battles. And plus they went, they went through a, another whole game and Jordan Whittington didn't get a, didn't get a touch a couple of weeks before that guy got 10 balls in a loss against Oklahoma. How do you not get him the football again? How does he go through a game? And is it true? He didn't have a catch in the football game. How's that possible? How do you, how do you do that? That's one of your weapons. If you're not using that weapon this week, that's pretty silly of Sark. I mean, once again, here's a guy that he loved from the minute he got here. He's always talking about what a wonderful young man he is, what a great route runner, what a great blocker, but you don't get him involved. But he, but he doesn't catch a, a ball in a game. How's that possible? Now, he's the guy who can catch and run and run like a running back when he's got it. He can get you those extra yards. I know you got the flash over the top, and I know you've got a guy like A.D. Mitchell who, who can do both. But when you keep continue to leave Jordan Whittington out of your game plan, because that's out of your game plan. That's not to me. That's you don't. That's not a. You don't have spot passes you want to throw to him in seams and zones where he can catch it and run with it. He's out of the game plan when he doesn't catch a ball, because we've seen that already this year where he's like not in the game plan. But when you get him involved, now you didn't get a win, but you got him in in one of the great games that he's ever played. You know, against Oklahoma where he caught ten passes. You know, he kept you in that game a little bit. But if you're not going to put him in to throw to him, put the freshman in there to throw bombs to him. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I, I agree with you. Jordan Whittington came back for one more year for a reason. It just feels like his presence has been neglected far too often. I get it that you have a, a ton of of pieces to work with here, but that doesn't excuse him from having a, a zero-catch game. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't get that. Last handful of games here in Austin. All right, we've got we got a lot to go today. We got to talk, keep on talking about this Texas Longhorn uh, football team. Obviously, a big game this week. Other big games of uh, and the NFL trade deadline come and gone. And my Minnesota Vikings got a new guy. But I got to tell you about our good friends over at Texas Orthopedics. If you're seeking specialized, patient-focused orthopedic care, contact the folks at Texas Orthopedics. Their physicians they offer. Uh, surgical and non-surgical orthopedic care for children and adults. Now, spinal care, sports medicine, trauma care, uh, uh, joint replacement, of course, rheumatology, and more. Christopher Danny, who I coached over at the University of Texas, and Chris Stockton, who I did not coach over at the University of Texas. They are dedicated orthopedic surgeons, and their goal is to get you back into good health and a great quality of life that you deserve. Texas Orthopedics is one of the largest independent orthopedic practices in the state of Texas. For more information, Trey, go to TXOrtho.com. That's TXOrtho.com. And, of course, I want to thank our good friends at AV Consultations because I got the big 85-incher back there. 
getting ready for some college football. And Tom has hooked me up. And boy, I love my TV set. I love the way you have your all your setups. And I know BK loves his 55,000 TVs in his room there at where he isn't. And you can get that all done, abconsultations.com for sure. Yeah, Tom is not going to like this, but I've really enjoyed watching the Rangers postseason run on my dream home theater setup downstairs. Now, he only doesn't like that because he's an Astros fan and he would rather not see the Rangers win at all. Is that true? They don't they don't like that. They won't they don't want them to win here in the state of Texas. You wouldn't want the the Astros don't want the Rangers to win. They want the D-bags to win. Really? Yeah, they uh, they do want the D-bags to win. Hey, look, I, I get it. I don't want to see Oklahoma win a national championship. I don't want to see the Astros win another World Series. That's what rivalries are all about, baby. There you go. Uh, but he does know that uh, we really enjoy that setup. I tell him all the time, and he's done it with so many homes and businesses over the years. It's not a surprise to hear from another satisfied customer. They'd love to help you out as well. We just had the 30th all-time edition of all four major professional sports playing on the same day here in the U.S. just a couple of days ago on Monday. Baseball, hockey, uh, the NBA, and, of course, the NFL. Now's the perfect time to get that home theater set up. avconsultations.com and 512-255-8678. 512-255-8678 for audiovisual consultations. No doubt about it. Uh NFL trade deadline, uh, Trey, it is uh, – by the way, you can hit us up on the Dakota text line at 512-222-9328. Please do that. And we do look forward to seeing you tomorrow out at Covert BK. Well, Ricky Williams will be there tomorrow. And I'll say this. Try to show up, be there at around 1130 or so. Ricky has some obligations with the university. It is the 25th anniversary of the Heisman Trophy for Ricky Williams. So he'll be in town, and he's got some late lunch – uh, deals that he has to do over with the alumni group over at the University of Texas. But he will be with us at B-Cave starting at 1130. So do get there at 1130. Smokey Moe's, Verde's, and you know how Ricky is. You think Ricky will be there at 1130 tomorrow? 1140? AJ's in charge. Of, my son is in oh, charge. Oh, AJ's of on top of it. He'll be there at 1130. Yeah, so his, his time will be limited, folks. So get over there, say hello to him, get some pictures taken, get some autographs done. You know, and we don't do we don't do sit down speeches by gas, which has been fun. You know, we don't put them under that pressure to give us their thoughts about this or their thought. But Ricky will roam the room. It'll be an awful lot of fun to see him if you haven't seen him in years. You know, I got him. I got him one of these shirts from Sue Patrick. And I thought AJ told me he was a double X. I'm like, dude, this guy's not a double X anymore. So I talked to Ricky yesterday. He's an XL guy. He may even be an L guy. Ah, uh, see those shirts run a little big. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe he's an L guy. Ricky's not, you know, at 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 his top weight when he played with me, he was probably about going on two forty eight, something like that. Mm. Two, I know he's almost two fifty. He was a pizza away from two fifty, but he's kind of slimmed down a little, a little bit. You know, he's still got that big lower torso. I mean, that body down there is. Is still big, but upper body, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, dude is right. I'm gonna say he's XL at the at best. He's an XL. You better hide. Ricky's coming for you. I'll be hiding all right behind the uh, the ficus, getting a look at the Rickster. Yeah, he'll be there. He'll you'll get a chance to visit visit one of your favorites, if not your favorite all time Texas football player. 
All-time favorite, and he blocked me on Twitter. I don't know why. So you're going to ask him that question tomorrow? We're going to get to the bottom of this? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to interview the guy because I think you and I would have an interesting conversation. I'm sure that would come up at some point. Yeah, well, tomorrow you get to do all those things while he's there. Tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday? No, not Thursday. Friday, folks. Okay. Friday, Friday. I keep thinking today is Thursday. Get, getting a little bit worried that you were uh, going through some uh, transgender amnesia. There. No, 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 no. I just keep getting this day mixed up with as a as a Friday. I thought, you know, no, tomorrow, not tomorrow. On Friday, Ricky will be out there at Covert B Cave. And love the folks out at Covert B Cave for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. BK and I'll be broadcasting out from there as well. And I understand this being a weird week with Halloween and all, Buck. And gosh, it's already November. Crazy to think that 2023 is very nearly done. One of my kids' teachers, because she has two teachers, they switch off classes, I guess. Vivi's third grade teachers. I'm pretty sure they planned being out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week to coincide with Halloween. So they're not having like BK. Is that how BK is doing it? He said. He needed that day off. Well, BK is taking. Uh, it's not just a load management day. He's taking a go celebrate a, a World Series day. Yeah, but there's there's just another wedding around the corner for that dude because oh, he's, yeah. he is the wedding crasher. You and I, he is. You and I are going to be doing a uh, pregame show here in a couple weeks before TCU. Yes. Looking forward to that. Also looking forward to Texas Sports Unfiltered being out at Schultz Beer Garden this yes. Saturday, you're going to be in the hall, which is going to be a good place to be first thing in the morning. Still going to be Zig- Zigarunde Hall. Still going to be pretty chilly out there, yes. but that is exciting. I don't get to be out there because I'll be trying to coach my daughter's volleyball team to their first ever Spike Frog Championship. But I'll be thinking you guys from afar. Trophies, ribbons, the whole works this weekend. Gold, the gold. If you win the tournament, you get the golden balls. The golden balls. Very nice. They have, to go, they have kids. two volleyballs spray painted gold and they give you give it to your team. You get to have so, it for a year and then you have to give it back. And then you have to give the gold. Well, I think you get to keep the golden balls, as a matter of fact. Oh, we can always paint those balls golden, can't we? Well Yeah, I mean yeah. we don't have to Yeah, good. Good for the kids who get to keep the trophy. That's right. Well, kids that deserve the trophy. The kids that don't deserve the trophy don't get a trophy. No, no, no. We're not giving out ribbons. We're past and that age. Yeah, we're, we're past that stuff, right? Exactly. As far well, as the uh, NFL trade deadline goes, yeah, Bob, what, uh, what jumps out at you from yesterday? Well, the 49ers just got well by getting uh, Mr. Young, Chase Young from the commanders. The commanders are just cleaning up house. They really are. They're, they're getting rid of that defensive line of theirs. And getting Chase Young to go along with Boza, teammates from Ohio State, getting in those two. 49ers will get well in a hurry with Chase Young and Boza on the other side of him. So I, I've got to believe that they're right back. Those three losses they've had, no, they haven't had much of a pass rush. That thing just changed overnight by getting Chase Young. That I mean, that's the biggest of the deals now. Uh, Joshua Dobbs to Minnesota, my guy Kirk Cousins. So they brought in another Kirk Cousins lookalike. With, with Joshua Dobbs. So it's about the same type of quarterback, you know, and that they're, they're not going anywhere. That just, without Kirk Cousins, that just knocked out Minnesota. Now, now Detroit, I believe, will win that division. So um, I, yeah, a lot Detroit, of people thought, a lot of people thought they were going to win. Huh? Detroit has an enormous advantage in that division now for sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody thought they were going to win it anyway. I still thought my Vikings would be in the thick of things if Kirk Cousins was playing. But, you know, with Jefferson and now you got, 
Joshua Dobbs leading the way? I don't think so. I don't think it changes now. I think Detroit is still the team to beat in their division. The Bears still suck. We know that. Mm-hmm. Bears got one of the defensive linemen also from the commanders. The commanders are wiping out everything because Ron Rivera is about to be gone after this year. And, of course, you saw where Josh Daniels got fired with a rate. I mean, that I know it, already, it took so long, but they got rid of Ziggler. They got rid of the general manager and all. But the biggest problem with that place is Mark Davis. It's not who you bring in the coach. It's who owns the team. That's yeah, just that, a mess. That, that dumb and dumber goofball. But note to any other NFL team, please do not hire Josh McDaniels as your head coach. It's not no. going to go well for you. That guy sucks as a human being, and he's not much better as a coach. Yeah, I mean, he's an offensive coordinator, but that's the ceiling for him. It's not head coach. He actually gives off Tom Herman vibes in a way. A little bit. I like like Herman as a head coach more than I like Josh McDaniels, for the record. But uh, Josh McDaniels is terrible. I'm happy for my guy Jeff Barker, who's a Raiders fan, not having to, to deal with that anymore. Yeah, that's that's that. I mean, that's one of the bad franchises in sports right now, are the Raiders. I mean, you've moved to Las Vegas. You got everything going for you. You got all kinds of money, but and and but one thing, Josh Josh McDaniels did not sign up to have Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback. He thought he was going to have Derek Carr too. Yeah, but they got rid of Derek Carr after last year. Yeah, I know that. That and they was, brought Jimmy Jimmy G in, and I, I do wonder if he wanted Jimmy G because he worked with Jimmy G in New England. New England, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, not Jimmy, Jimmy G. I think is a great example of why uh, there are guys or there are systems, rather offensive systems, that make a quarterback look decent. His his lifetime win percentage is great because he played most of his snaps in San Francisco with Shanahan as his head coach, and Shanahan is a really good head coach, and he had some great pieces around him too. Even with decent pieces around right. Jimmy G in Vegas, Josh Jacobs leading rush in the NFL last year, obviously having Devontae Adams out there, a guy who has been extremely frustrated. Uh, they weren't anywhere close to getting it done. Just a pathetic offense, which is Josh McDaniel's side of the ball. It's one of those scenarios, much like with Herman here at Texas far too often, and Charlie – and how bad his defenses were. It's like if you're the head coach and that side of the ball is your specialty and that's the biggest part of the problem, yes. you shouldn't be the head coach anymore because clearly yeah, I it's agree. up for you. I agree. It's the NFL. That's that. That's why you got hired. You can get hired for defense. You get hired for your offense, and your offense stinks right now. Yep. And so they're, they're changing that. And once again, with San Francisco, I, I think, Trey, those, that group is going to get well in a hurry. I mean, that defensive line, Charles Amenehu is a part of that now too. And that that is a a defensive line that is it's it's been it hasn't been that good this year, but it just got so much better with Chase Young. He's now healthy. His knee, you know, they 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 were worried about his knee. You know, obviously he's but he's been playing and he's been playing at a pretty high level again. But they're like I said, they're cleaning out that that whole that whole commander deal is going to be gone because I think their head coach will be gone too. Charles, though, is with the Chiefs now, isn't he? Oh, I'm he? sorry. That's He's with the Chiefs, and I was saying he left San Fran. But guess who else San Francisco just went out and got in the last week? Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory, yes. That's the guy now, I meant to say. He may not be quite as fierce as he was with the Cowboys, but it's still another great option for you, and especially a guy who can serve as a backup for both Bosa and Chase Young now. Yes. Randy about Chase Young going rogue with – the Washington commies, which made him more expendable that they didn't feel like he was 
a guy who fit into what they were trying to do well, well, that, that may be because Washington, uh, their defensive game plan was a complete nightmare. Yeah, this, this is a, a huge pickup for San Francisco, and they are clearly not taking anything for granted with regards to this window being open right now. But I think you have to start questioning Brock Purdy and whether we are starting to now see the real Brock Purdy surface, a guy that was uh, was there for Iowa State, who has very sloppy turnovers at times, bad reads, bad throws, just throwing the football behind him. Some of that stuff is starting yeah. to pop up over these last. Well, didn't you didn't you think that maybe that arm there was going to be a time, you know, seventeen games in the NFL, there was going to be a time where that arm was going to get a little tired, and velocity on that football in the NFL, if you don't have that kind of velocity that you need, those guys step right underneath that and pick the ball off. And I was thinking sometime during the course of this season, his arm was going to get a little tired. It really, really was because they're not running the ball like they used to with, with Christian McCaffrey. You know, they just generally had that two-headed monster, but they've been relying on Brock Purdy, I mean, to get the ball down. And they relied on him getting the ball down the field early in the season, too. He came out of the shoot when he got back to being what they thought was healthy. He was throwing balls way down the field. I'm thinking, don't you want to slow down a little bit? on? Don't you want to get your run game going? and let this guy's arm rest up because it's a long season. Yeah. I thought they overused him early in the season when they were having – and they were having success. Now, Debo Samuel was there. He was still a part of all that, and they don't have him anymore, But and he should be back soon. But I thought they overused that arm early just coming off that surgery. It, it, a lot of games, Trey, for a guy that had that type of surgery to be out there heaving it early, I mean, and, and they played well with it, but it was going to get tired eventually. And if it gets tired and then you're losing players like Debo Samuel and your defense isn't playing well, now the real Brock Purdy will start to show up. Yeah, you expect Debo, gosh, McCaffrey and Kittle. Oh, yeah. Just games here and there through the course of a season. But you're right. Even missing one of those guys seems to be making a huge difference right now. Brandon Ayuk had a decent start to the year. I feel like he's been a bit of a disappointment in the last few weeks as well and you just wonder at some point if Purdy continues to struggle with his play yes they don't give Sam Darnold a chance and maybe they let Purdy rest his arm Sam Darnold people don't want to believe me you saw flashes in New York and also in Carolina before he got hurt that guy was dealing with the quarterback screamer and Adam Gase with the Jets and the end of the Matt Rule era which was a complete dumpster fire in Carolina Sam Darnold has the physical ability, and I think he has the experience and the experience now being in the NFL for these amount of years. The experience yeah. to work within that system. So if they were to go to him, it's not you may not see this huge drop off. You may see a sort of spark to this offense as a uh, as a result. Yeah. Okay. And and talk to me a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys of what you saw last week. They had one of those games where they can certain teams that they can beat up on. Uh, the real telltale sign of what the Cowboys are like will come this week when they play the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's pretty simple. I mean, Dak Prescott did some nice things. I thought Mike McCarthy. Um, now, I wish they were to try to get Derrick Henry during the course of this. I know people are thinking, come on, Buck, they got Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's not, an, I mean, he's not 17 game running back inside. He's that semi gimmick guy that swings screens out of the backfield. Uh, throws to him out in the slot. He's he's fantastic at out in space. But I was just thinking, a guy like Derrick Henry, for what Mike McCarthy wants to do, and he wants to show off an offensive line that's been pretty inconsistent. You know, they've been banged up. But boy, Derrick Henry would have helped them out a lot if they'd, if they'd have got that done, I thought. Yeah, I mean, he's up there in age. 
he's not the same Derrick Henry, but for what they want to do, you know, and, and now that Dak Prescott is starting to take off out of the pocket himself, you know, I think he's feeling a lot more comfortable about taking off and running on that ankle than he did last year, the year after what he did. Yeah, and they need that also because it's clear that Tony Pollard is not the same player that we were watching this time last year. You can say you think that's a part of his injury. You think that's the, the injury part, or is it just he's just not that big? I think it takes time to get the speed, the strength, and the overall ability back when you mm. hurt yourself like that. And part of it is psychological, but part of it is physical too. So I'm not going to see. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised to see them giving some other running backs some sure. opportunities. This may not be Deuce Vaughn's year, uh, but the backup is is probably going to continue to get more carries. Yeah, like him. Dak running it at times as well. It has been an effective part of his game in the past, and now he is healthy enough to implement that once again to try and open up open up the passing attack that much more. Yeah, I have to give him his due. I thought Dak Prescott played great. And the reason he played great last week is because they got C.D. Lamb involved immediately in the yeah. game. They didn't they didn't wait around and to, for him to be bitching on the sideline about getting the football. They got him the ball as quick as they could get him and as often as they could get it to him. I mean, look, you got they they got rid of Amari Cooper a couple of years ago, which in my opinion was a bad move. But they did that because they felt comfortable with C.D. Lamb as the number one wide receiver. We'll treat him like a number one wide receiver then. Yes, especially because. Dak and Michael Gallup don't have that rapport that they did a couple of years ago before Gallup hurt his knee. Uh, you are still trying to get in rhythm with the tight end in that passing attack. Folks just took for granted Dalton Schultz and how good he was with Dak. And I know they've got some young guys that show a ton of promise, but Dalton Schultz was a different sort of player at that position for them. Well, I think people thought that Dalton Schultz was just a guy. I mean, they, they were thinking that the young guys that they have right now are just going to walk in and take his place. Now, they've done some nice things with those young tight ends, but, I mean, Dalton Schultz got open. Well, and I like what they did with Brandon Cooks last week also. I think getting yes. him more involved is a good thing. I mean, that guy's been a 1,000-yard receiver for what feels like about eight different teams at this point. I know it's only four with the uh, the Saints, the Patriots, the Rams, and then the Texans over the last couple of years. But that dude has a ton of talent as well. He has been a number one wideout elsewhere. And while he's yes. uh, in the second half of his career at this point, so you don't want to put that sort of pressure on him, he has a ton of ability. He can very easily serve as your number two. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Yeah, they, they've got to – but they've got to continue to work on what they're going to do in the run game. And as you said, I – Tony Pollard, to me, is just – I don't know what they're going to do next year. They franchised him this year. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. I, I, I don't know. They're, they're not going to bring him back for the kind of money – I mean, even the franchise money that he got is one of the top running backs, you know, in the NFL to be franchise, franchise tagged. I don't, think they'll, they, I don't think they'll do that next year. You're saying Tony Pollard? Yes. I, I don't think they'll – why would they? At this point, unless he shows you something more in the second half of the season, I think it's a, an easy decision for them. All right. As we said, we'll be out at Cobra Country on um, Friday out there at Cobra BKs. And they've got everything that you are looking for when it comes to car or cars or trucks or SUVs. They've got seven different brands out there at their beautiful facility at BKs. GMCs, Cadillacs, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. And, of course, in Huddle, they've got – uh, they've got uh, Chevys and Fords in Hutto, and they've got Lincoln Ford in Austin. And, folks, they've got 86 service bays throughout there. The weight is minimal. So when you're looking to get your car service, and whether you buy that car from Covert out in B Cave or Covert in Hutto 
or Covert in Bastrop, you can get a service right there at B-Cave. They're happy to do that for you. Go to CobertBcave.com for more information on the great sales. And, Trey, they don't have monthly sales. They have weekly sales out there at Covert B-Cave. While you're out there, say hello to Dan Covert, of course, Mike and Stacy, Jerome, the whole gang out there. And, folks, they will make it happen for you. Nobody beats that covert deal. Not now, not ever. How about our good friends at Great Blue Heron? How about them? How about that furniture? Did you get one of those? Have you got one of those couches? I was telling BK uh, the other day that, you know what? My couch is one of those couches when I lay down in it, Trey, I disappear in it. I mean, the, the couch kind of overwhelms me. So there's, there's no protection for the guy with the bad back. So it's just mm, – it doesn't work for me. My couch – I lie on it, but I have to put a bunch of stuff on the on the, the cushions there to get that firmness. Gray blue, gray blue herring, how about that? How about those couches? Yeah, you and I are in the same boat. A soft couch immediately triggers my sciatica, so I oh, have yeah. to stay away. And Great Blue Heron Furniture, they have uh, a variety of options uh, in terms of sofa softness versus firmness and plenty of other furniture to go along with. They've been making custom leather furniture since 1991 buck they focus on heavy leathers hides and fabrics ranging from traditional western to modern farmhouses man i love a good leather couch this stuff is beautiful as well it is the highest quality furniture that you can find you cannot find more stylish more comfortable and more well-built furniture anywhere out there there is a link in the YouTube video description below for those watching right now that takes you straight to the Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off your purchase. If you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, look no further than Great Blue Heron Furniture. Check the link below for more info or give them a call. 866-247-9688. 866-247-9688. I had myself a nice Olipop yesterday. Now, BK will go through about three Olipops a day because he wants that flavor. He wants that, that soda taste with all the great ingredients, though, that is good for you. And I'm sure you would like for me to continue to drink the Olipop. I but see yes. him sucking those things down on you guys' show like it's going out <laughs> yes. style, man. Yes, he loves them, man. I'm He's into the Olipop great... for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, I mean, I like the Olipops. But I, this dude drinks them all day long. You know me, I try to sneak a soda in there every once in a while. I get yelled at because my wife calls my front seat of my car the scene of the crime. She goes, you got all these Olipops. Continue to drink those. Quit drinking that battery acid, please. Much better than soda, though. Olipops yes, is much better than soda. That's one of the big benefits, right? I know. You got to have those, those ingredients that help you. I mean, they help it with the fiber that they have in them. But the sugar in the soda, no good. No sugar in the Olipop. You get all those, those great ingredients that you deserve that your body wants to have in it. Doesn't want to have that sugar. Doesn't want to have all that junk in there, artificial flavoring. But I love the grape. I'm the grape guy. I'm a grape, I'm a grape soda drinker, so I get that taste of the grape soda back again with Olipop, which you can get at our friends at 7-Eleven. See, I'm a root. I'm a root beer guy. Are I'm you? About to try my first Olipop this weekend because BK finally got – the six pack that was promised for me. Now the, the six root pack beer? came in a 12 pack. Yeah. The root beer. I'm not a big grape soda guy, so I'll give you the grape soda. The there you go. To me, but I do want to try the tropical punch too. And yeah, you can get them. You can get them at Costco's. You can also get them at seven 11, but you can get everything at seven 11. Now, when I roll through seven 11, you know, I'm looking for my hard copy of the Austin American statement. Of course, I got to have that because 
I don't play around with the computer. I still get the hard copy because I'm a hard copy kind of guy because I'm a hard kind of guy for sure. And whether it's that or Dallas Morning News, it doesn't matter. I get it from 7-Eleven, which I get my little Debbie's from too. There's my other thing. My little Debbie's double-decker. Got to get it from there. But you can get pizza. You can get soda. You can get gas. You get anything you need at, of course, 7-Eleven. Love 7-Eleven. You didn't just say that you're leaving Upper Deckers in that 7-Eleven. No, no. No, no. Here comes here comes the BK and you or the Doc Trey and you. No, I don't leave Upper Deckers in 7-Eleven. But you know, they do such a good job at the 7-Eleven where we go to down uh, near Oak Hill. Always clean. And once again, I have no problems going into somebody, whether I'm at a gas station, service station. If I'm in the store, if I'm in the HEB and I do happen to go to the bathroom, you know what I do? I will go and tell the manager this place. Thank you very much for having a clean restroom. People don't think much of saying that to people. You'd be surprised. Well, you won't be surprised how filthy some of the places are. But when they're clean and you don't just say, hey, thanks, I appreciate that. Because there's so many people that are coming in and out of bathrooms. I mean, it's not like I'm going to Goodwill to take a shower or whatever. But I do appreciate a clean bathroom. And I let the folks know. And, of course, at the 7-Eleven where I go to, they're always nice and clean. Thank oh, you, Ashish. So you're regularly dropping deuces in that 7-Eleven then. Is that what you're telling No, me? no, no. I go to that 7-Eleven. There's something about certain places where you get out of the car, if you pump gas, or then you go in. It's almost like it's, it's automatic. It's like me. It's like a bear in the woods. Like if I go through a stroll in the woods or somewhere near the golf course where there's golf, you know, trees and things like that, yes, I do have to. I don't, I don't do that thing, but I do have to pee, yes. My kids are the same way, except they do like to test out public restrooms by number twoing. It's like clock really? for us. We go to a new place and they're like, I need to go to the bathroom. All right, one or two, two. I'm like, when are you guys gonna learn that it is gross pooping in public? <laughs> like this is not good. Like you think it's cool because maybe you're getting a little bit of autonomy, a little bit of freedom here, a little bit of independence, but you're still having to put your butt cheeks on a public toilet seat. Yes. To point though. If you find a place where it does seem clean, you go back there over and over again. Like the the Western Domain, they have pretty nice bathrooms most of the time where the stalls themselves are completely separated from everything else. The, uh, the, the separation walls almost go down to the floor. And it's also a nice Weston too. So you walk in there and you don't feel like uh, you're in a bad part of town. Yeah, there's certain places I go to that I mean I I I used to rate the bathrooms around the Austin areas, whether it's restaurants or, you know, the Sam Houston Hotel or whatever it is. I mean I I go to places where I will rate them and I will go back again and again. What was it? The it wasn't the Four Seasons. What was the hotel that was downtown? Um, the Hilton. Where, no, not the Hilton. Not the Four Seasons. Um, the one that's close to the Four Seasons. There, I I would go. And before I would come home, I would pull my car in like I was going to to stay there. And I said, well, I'll be right back. You know, you don't have to park. Just leave it here for a second. I'm just I'm just going to check in. I would go to the bathroom, come back, pay the pay the guy five bucks or whatever it is for watching my car and then go. I mean, it was bathrooms. CB's asking this. Buck, do you still go to fancy hotels to drop a deuce? Yes. Yes, I do. That's the secret to finding clean bathrooms. If you're out, you have an emergency is find a hotel. Those do, hotels yes. have 24-7 cleaning staff that make sure to clean those bathrooms a couple times per day. Now, there is an exception downtown to a hotel that is looked at as a nice hotel that I've gone in there on numerous occasions, 
and it has been a fucking a horror, a murder scene. No, in this bathroom, and that is sorry to have to put you on blast, JW Marriott. The JW Marriott. Now their bathroom could be really eighty percent of the time, and I've just gone in the other twenty. But the twenty percent I've gone in, it looked like the indoor bathroom version of a porta pot at ACL Fest. Bob. No, not good. Wow. Driscoll's good. Well, I saw the Driscoll. Driscoll Driscoll's got Driscoll's got their own private wood stall. You know the wood stalls. That's what I like when you have privacy. And you yeah. can actually go in there and, and, and sit and do what you have to do. I'm a big fan of that. I'm also a big fan of music, good music in the bathrooms. And that was at the, what was the uh, the Asian restaurant up in the, not the Domain, but um, the Arboretum there. P.F. Chang's? P.F. Chang's was number one in my book for years and years. That was the number one restroom to go to. Individual stalls with great music. And the music was really good. You can go into your own little wood stall. It was fantastic. P.F. Chang's is number one. They're still number one in my book. Better than the Western. Better than any of those. Wow. I'm a big P.F. Chang bathroom user. CB's out there. It was the W. Yeah, it was the W. That's where I used to pull in, jump out of the car and say, listen, I'm getting ready to go in here and register. So just leave my car right there. I'll be right back. I'd go in there. And that was coming from when we were doing – we were at that other place doing pregame shows. Yeah. And I had to go to the bathroom before I went home and watched the game. I'd pull over there, go in, give the guy some money for leaving my car there for about five minutes because I'm not a bathroom guy. I don't stay in bathrooms for 10 minutes. No. I do what I have to do, and I'm gone. I'm, I, I'm like, I disappear. No, I don't flush myself down. I just don't I'm – I'm not a bathroom dweller. I don't hang around. I know people that like to hang around and, you know, oh, this tissue is better than that. Maybe I'll try some napkin. No, I go, and I'm out. I don't read papers in there. I've never read a newspaper in a bathroom. I've never done work. I've never been on a phone in a bathroom. Bathrooms are where you're supposed to do your business and not that kind of business. It just depends. Like if you're at home and your kids are just hammering you with question after question, you need a little bit of peace and moderate quiet, then maybe you take an extra five minutes in the bathroom just to take some breaths and zone out for a sec. Now I do that with the shower. I go, I go in the shower and I'm there for a while, but I don't do that in the bathroom. That, that's my peaceful time. Plus I don't have a little, you know, I got no kids anymore. I'm old. I don't have, I don't have, and plus I don't get my grandkids over here running around and going crazy, but I'm not a bathroom person. I just never, and I never have been. Now, you know, I'm a greeter at the stalls. I'm that guy from our, our time over at that radio station that threw us all out and shit. But yeah, you're also a, a singer and a talker on the phone in bathrooms too, which is a little bit disturbing. Yeah, but I greet people if they're at a stall beside me, since the side of the stall goes up pretty high, there's nobody, I'm not peeking over. I do have conversations. I always, I mean, if I see somebody that I don't know, I'll say, how's your day so far? Going to have a good day. I mean. Are you seeking out stalls that have somebody right next to them? No. Like, looking underneath to see if there are shoes? Well, I try not to go beside somebody. I try to get, I try to space myself. Okay, so good. You you have the, uh, the spatial recognition in the bathroom. I do, I do, I do. I'm not going there, going grunties beside somebody. No. I that do. works in a stall or a urinal, by the way. Don't be the guy who, if there are three urinals and somebody's on one side, don't step into that middle urinal. Don't you do it. More space, please. And Generally speaking. And you're not like you're not the guy that likes to have you don't like to have conversations. You go and go do your business and get out too. I'm I'm having to focus too much on on the business that I'm taking care of here. It's why the 
troughs at Wrigley Field always bothered me. Oh, the long troughs with the ice in them? Yeah, exactly. Where you've got dudes rubbing your elbow as you're trying to pee. Like, no, oh, you got pee no. shot issues to begin with. That That is going to completely throw me off. Well, you should have been in the old Yankee Stadium where I had to go so bad. My guys had to go so bad. We're in that long line. You've heard about the story of the plastic helmet, the Yankees helmet that we passed. No. Passed down, the, passed along. Ooh. We had to go so bad, and we had wanted to get back to the game. We were in this monster line of about 30 guys. And so my friend takes his helmet off. He pees in the helmet, throws the urine down off to the side, passes the helmet back, and we're taking this helmet, this Yankees helmet down the line. It comes back to him, shakes it up, and puts it back on his head, and we <laughs> move along. Damn. Oh, there was some. That was a drunk. Yeah, he was pretty drunk. But that... we had to go, and what? I mean, we passed the helmet along. It went down probably fifteen people deep, and then came back. Guy just shook it, put it on his head, and said, "Let's go." Like later in life, that guy may may have been. Uh, he probably was my four. baked potato victim. All four golden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, once again, uh, Trey, the Texas Longhorns this game this weekend, as we start to shake out the Big Twelve and shake out what's happening nationally. This team, I, I'm I'm, a ha- I'm having Oklahoma get beat this weekend. I think OU OU gets beat again. I could. I think Oklahoma State get beats them. Because that will be the last game, that Bedlam game for quite a while. Talk with a writer from uh, uh, Oklahoma City yes, a day before yesterday, and she was talking about, you know, she was asking me questions about how was it when Texas and Texas A&M, you know, parted ways of playing game. And, and I told her about the feeling of that. And I said, it'll, for you guys, it'll come back, I think, sooner. Because the one that doesn't want this game between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, more so than the fans, is – the head coach at Oklahoma State, and I said he's not going to wield that much power any much longer, because how much longer will Mike Gundy be the head coach at Oklahoma State? You know, it seems that he gets close and he loses the big games, and then they just get disgruntled with that dude, or, or his or his time of coaching is coming closer to an end too. I I I told her I said I think that that game will start to get played again in the next couple years. It'll probably go away for two years, three years maybe at the most. But I said, but that game will return. I said the game between Texas and Texas A&M was so political. It was it was such a political, you know, it was it was just so bitter that it was it wasn't about the players it, and it was more about the state, more about the state itself than anything. Because I I got a feeling that the fans and the play, the players would have loved to have had that game back, you know? There's a lot of hard feelings on the yes. water end of this rivalry right now and look is one of two teams that is bolting the Big 12 for the SEC, leaving our current rivals in our wake in the process. I understand where the Oklahoma States and Texas Techs and Baylors and, heck, even the Houstons are coming from with regards to their hatred for us. And but they had that before anyway. I mean, they had enough hatred anyhow. It was there, but they feel like they're being left in the lurch after being partners for so long. But you also have to see where Texas and Oklahoma are coming from with the shifting landscape of college football. That doesn't change the fact that people in Stillwater want to win this version of Bedlam maybe worse than any other in the past, regardless of the uh, the implications on the line. I mean, they want to send Oklahoma away with one final loss, especially because the Sooners have dominated this oh, yeah. throughout its oh, history, yeah. especially in this century. Yeah, they've they, they have crushed that on our YouTube comments feed Gundy is three and 15 versus OU as a head coach. 
and they are uh, th- that's reflective in in the quality of game too. There have been a lot of blowouts in this series. Oklahoma State has a game plan this year that I think can get to OU, and I know that because we saw Kansas do this last weekend. Be good at running the football. Oh yeah, they're it's going to run it at on this. Throwing the ball versus OU last week, he had a couple of interceptions, but Neal was really good running the ball. And their defense also did a good job of forcing turnovers by the Sooners. Dylan Gabriel throws an interception. They have a couple of fumbles, too. So Oklahoma's defense has been better. Sure. They've gotten some steady play out of Alan Bowman, the former Michigan and Texas Tech quarterback. And Ollie Gordon, the third, is one of the best running backs in the conference and in the country. I think he may be the best running back in the country all around. I mean, he is – He's I a know nothing about him until that Kansas State game, but I've started paying closer attention since then. And how about his? How about his? How about his straight out speed? He I, he will if he if you give him a little bit of a crease, he is going to do a lot with it. Yeah, and they will and they will continue to give him the ball. They will wear him out, which you're supposed to do. At I mean, at, at Oklahoma State will wear that dude out, and he likes the carries. He likes to get those carries in the fourth quarter. Yep. When you're tired, he's at his best, and I, I think that they will. I think they'll beat Oklahoma this week. I think, and, and as I said to the young lady, I said, I think this rivalry for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will go, will come back quicker than the Texas, Texas A&M. And I don't think it'll be that bitter because it won't last as long. It really won't. They need that in the state of Oklahoma. Mm. You know, they, they, you, they've got to have right, that. You might be right about that. I could see them coming to some sort of consensus. Sure. Five, five to ten years. You think, it, you think it'll, it'll go up to five maybe? Oh, I, I, they're they're not playing until the end of this decade at the earliest. Interesting. I mean, I, I tend to think it was sooner. I thought maybe in three years they'd be back to playing each other. Somebody would come to their senses. But I said it, it won't be. I said it won't be near as bitter as what has happened with Texas and Texas A and M. And now that that's this rivalry will come back, it is. I am so happy. I'm I'm happy for both parties. I know folks will say, don't be happy for Texas A&M. We, they're still bitter. We'll, we, should, we should never be playing them. I, I miss that rivalry. That was my, as a coach, that was my rivalry game. Oklahoma and Texas was okay. That was a more of a national deal for people around the nation. They got so used to it. I know Texas have been doing it since, you know, Southwest Conference, the Big Eight. But to me as a coach, there's nothing like Texas-Texas A&M rivalry. There's just, there's just nothing like it. Sports is special for a lot of reasons, the uncertainty of it all, but rivalries are a big part of what makes sports so yes. much fun. Like we saw that in these baseball playoffs with Astros Rangers, what turned out to be a, a fun back and forth seven game series. Texas OU is one of my favorite times of year because of just the uniqueness surrounding what is typically a pretty good game too. And Texas A&M provided a ton of those moments over the years. The fact that it was on Thanksgiving more years than not. And uh, just the back and forth nature of things. Yeah. And as I've grown older, it's great for these programs and it's great for the sport on the whole too. Yeah. See, I've always liked college rivalries. I've liked them in basketball and and, and any kind of sport where, where, where it's college NFL. Now that I've gotten, as I've gotten older, I don't hold on. I don't cherish my rivalries, you know, the Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. I, that doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. It's just another game, it seems like. Those used to be monster games to me when Minnesota would play Green Bay, you know, or, or, or Minnesota play Chicago. I used to, I mean, I couldn't, I was, I was just boiling, ready to go as a fan during the course of that week. I don't have that. I don't have that feeling like that anymore. But, you know, 
Texas, OU, Texas, Texas A&M. Once that starts again, you'll start getting that. You, the juices will flow as a fan the week of. You know what I'm saying? I just don't see it. I mean, the Cowboys, if you're a true Cowboy fan, you may have that. You know, you used to have that when you'd play, when they were when they were the Washington Redskins, you would have that feeling. You know, even as a, a not, not a Cowboys fan, but when the Cowboys played the Redskins, I was all geeked up for that game. And I wasn't a fan of either one of the teams at the yeah. time. So, but it does, it just kind of wanes away as, as you get a little bit older when it comes to NFL. But the college rivalries still kind of stay the same, the ones that are still are, you know. I got to believe for, you know, the Apple Cup and, and you know, some of, some of those type of football games really, really still matter to, to their fans even as they get older. But NFL, professional sports, not, not so much anymore. It just depends on the year and the pros, I think, a little bit more so than college because college does have that added pageantry. And I don't know. There's something about an alumni base and what that does to the loyalty of a program. Now, that's not to say bad programs are still filling up the stadium year in and year out because people are only going to spend so much money to watch a bad product in person. But I think college rivalries do mean a little bit more. I agree with you on that one. Yeah, you know, I mean, I get I get a little geeked up for Michigan, Ohio State, that last game of the year, just as a fan. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get kind of – I'm like, that's that's a that's a huge game. And I used to get that way for Penn State-Pittsburgh, but now that they don't play that play each other that often. But this rivalry coming back with Texas A&M will get me so fired up. Because I had – I mean, I had a chance to coach in some really great games with the two. You know, the Oklahoma deal was just – that's for the – that's for somebody else. That – it was great coming down the tunnel. I always talk about great things about the game itself, the pageantry of that game, but the actual battle against Oklahoma, that's, that's not like the battle against Texas and Texas A&M to me. I know. And see, it's just really weird. And I have a lot of people that, that are thinking like you, they think the rivalry that Oklahoma Texas, Oklahoma game means more than the Texas, Texas A&M game. It does. It just it does. does. It in, does. In my opinion. Yeah. Look, yeah. everybody's, Another fun parts of sports is having these disagreeable conversations, but yeah, Oklahoma means more and has meant more. CB says starting in the starting in 2000, going all the way up to right now, many years there's been national championship implications. There's been good games. There's been some upsets here and there this year, included. Even if uh, Texas fans are maybe sleeping on Oklahoma just a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, that's not to diminish the value of Texas, Texas A&M, but I do think Texas OU means a bit more. But look, Texas fans, buckle up because the rivalries that other schools think that they have with you right now in the 12, uh, more of those are going to start cropping up in the SEC, including the likelihood that you're going to be playing Arkansas most years or every year if they do set up that quadrant system where Texas ends up in a division with Oklahoma, A&M, and Arkansas. I mean, that is a gauntlet each and every year because of how badly the opponent wants to beat you. Sure. And knowing the history of those schools with one another. And the rest of the SEC, guess what? I've talked to a fair number of SEC people who seem to be in a consensus that they're not thrilled that Texas and Oklahoma are joining this conference. Like, they don't feel like they need Texas and Oklahoma to still be really good. Now, uh, I understand where they're coming from, but you also need to, to see the overall value that college football has and just the the direction that it's headed with regards to there being these two major conferences and then maybe a lower level 
within the next five to 10 years, Texas and Oklahoma provide value in terms of the financial value that they bring to right. uh, the conference, but also with the potential and their ability to compete year in and year out. Now, football matters most, but Texas is good in a lot of sports, and Oklahoma has obviously had their successes in a lot of sports over time too, including with sports that are increasing in value over the last five years, something like softball, let's say. Right. Now, what are your thoughts on any of those teams that will will become rivals? I mean, although they won't be played every year, I would like to see Texas-Florida become a pretty good battle. You know, and, and when you talk about yeah. other sports involved, baseball – volleyball swimming i mean these are you're talking about sports that are that are well not comparable because texas has the advantage obviously when it comes when it comes to volleyball swimming but florida has a pretty good tradition of swimming and and things like that other sports outside of the football realm i'd love for texas and florida to become that and if florida will come here next year that group will be here those fans will be in our in our city which i think will be kind of cool i don't think i don't think texas georgia will ever get to be that way so rivalries are all about bad blood, right? And so the obvious schools that Texas is going to have bad blood with are the three that we've already talked about. If there is a next team up on that list to me, it's not Alabama. You've played them the, the last couple of years. Sure. be a mutual respect there right now. You did beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl several years ago, but are Georgia fans still holding on to that one? I mean, they were making excuses before the game and after the game that – a uh, big chunk of their guys on both sides of the ball chose to bypass the bowl game to get ready for the NFL draft. Plus they've got a couple of national championships school. under their belt now. Since. Yeah, if you do, exactly. That's a, a great point there. But if there is another school where you've seen that bad blood start to form, it is with LSU. Remember, yes. LSU people were pissed off that special season of theirs where they came into Austin and the Longhorns were the closest to beating that LSU team all year long with just how poorly they were treated, how poorly the team was treated, ending up in a locker room on a really hot day that had no air conditioning. And, and the uh, battle lines are drawn for recruiting too. Battle because- lines are drawn for recruiting. I think there was a big stink about the band and where the LSU band was being stuck in, uh, in that game too. So they're going to hold on to that one. And so I think that LSU has the potential to be the next rivalry in the SEC. Okay. Now they're only going to play them twice every four years at best. So uh, it won't be every year, which is kind of a good thing. You don't want too many. Oh, no. Oh, no. But everybody in the SEC is going to be gunning for Texas. Everybody wants to beat Texas. Everybody wants to beat Oklahoma because you want to treat the new guys like the new guys and send them through a investigation versus having them coming into your house and all of a sudden ruling the roost after a year or two. Well, that's why the importance of this season for both teams leaving the Big 12 on a very high note. That's why that's why I, I just had my fingers crossed for Texas and OU to play that second time up in Arlington. That, and that's that's kind of what you want to see now. I don't think the SEC wants to see that. But once again, it just brings more eyes and more attention to the SEC if, if yeah. Texas and Oklahoma played in that game, getting ready to join that conference. That just that just only builds up their powerhouse conference. That's all that does. But I don't know. I, I want it because I want to say goodbye to the Big 12 because I was a part of entering, you know, the first year of the Big 12 and being a part of a championship. And boy, for Texas to go out that way, you know, would would be just it would be incredible because I think you have to go out that way. You can't go out with a mediocre season uh, for Texas or OU going into that conference because I don't want to I don't want to go into that conference as Mississippi State. You know, I want to be better than that. Because if you come out and, and the season starts to you know, start to spiral downhill for you 
you'll end up, that's what you'll go in the next year. You'll go into that conference being those teams. You won't be Ole Miss. You'll be Mississippi State. Well, think about it. A&M had some early success in the SEC, and that did not necessarily translate. And they've no. been more of a Mississippi State-type program. You're right. Then. More years than not. I know they've had the occasional year, but I guess you could also say that about Texas and the Big 12 since the 2009 season. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's important to get off to a good start, but also make sure the program is built up to a degree that it's sustainable. And that's why recruiting on the lines of scrimmage is obviously so important, making sure you have a good coaching staff in place and just uh, having the depth built up in as many position groups as possible. Texas is getting there, but not quite there yet, but you feel good about what year one might look like for this program, because it really does start with the lines of scrimmage. You're healthy at the quarterback position in terms of potential, even if Quinn Ewers decides to leave after this year. Now there is going to be a question about what they're doing uh, with their wide receivers, because in all likelihood you're seeing all three of their top receivers gone after this year, as well as JT Sanders. So there's going to be a reload required there as well. And what does Jonathan Brooks decide to do at the end of this season? He is a redshirt sophomore right now. So if he wants to maximize his earnings potential and start earning that NFL paycheck, he could do that after this season if he wanted yeah, to. He could. Yeah, I would I would see him. I don't know. I it's tough to say he is a running back. I mean, you know, limited time for making the money that you can make. Do you wait another year going to that conference and maybe get your head taken off? You know, that's that's the deal. Uh, well, it's gonna. I, I think it will depend a lot on how he finishes the season with this offensive line. Very true. And what, and what they do and and what Sark's if, if Sark's gonna. You know, remember once again, this was a group of coaches that thought the freshman was better than this kid. I mean, this kid didn't start until the third game. This kid was not the starter. Jonathan Brooks was not the starter at running back for University of Texas. So That's always remember coaching keep, mistake, right? Yeah. There. Well, keep that in the back of your mind, Texas fans that. They thought that a freshman out of high school was better than the guy who's maybe one of the best backs in the country. So although the other, although the other kid is starting to come along and things are all right, their original thought was not, that he wasn't good enough as the starter. I believe that to be true, right? Yeah, you and I talked about in the preseason. Like I asked people, is Jonathan Brooks banged up or something? Why is this guy not getting a chance? He showed you what he had last year. Yes. Starting a mop-up duty, but also the bowl game. And I realized C.J. Baxter is a freshman that you have a ton of faith in being really good at the position. But it was consensus that coming out of high school at Florida that he was a little bit light for his running style and how that would hold up at the college level. It's why you saw him get banged up early on and it taking until this team had a bye week. And yeah, he's there now. He's there now. Coaches can force him to sit, but who's to say that he's not going to end up banged up again in the next couple of games because of how he runs. I think he has started to learn though. I'm seeing him not initiate quite as hard of contact at times to try and live to see that next carry. Right. Yeah. And he's only going to, by the way, he's only going to get bigger. I mean, he's almost six two. He's going to be a big, he's going to be a 225 pound running back he's not going to be a 205 guy he's going to he's going to add muscle and he's going to learn how to dish out punishment but he's got to learn how to take the punishment and take the blows but I think he's learned that as time has gone the experience of getting in these games getting hit by college players instead of high school players is starting to come but he's not as good as the, the guy who's the starter right now he's just not he doesn't have that experience and he doesn't have that knowledge of how you get through holes and how you crease people and how you take on contact and how you stiff arm guys that will come, but they didn't think that in the beginning. So that always is in my mind that they really didn't see that. 
These guys are have been around. In, I mean, these are NFL. I mean, his coach is an NFL player, and they 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 still thought highly of. I don't know if that was a recruiting tactic of showing young recruits at the running back position. We will play you young, and and if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. But I, I think they, that I still have that in my mind. They they really weren't going to start that guy. It wasn't that they weren't. He wasn't the starter. I, I really hope they're not playing recruiting games with regards to the guy that you're naming starting quarterback or starting running back, excuse me, at such an important position because that is – that's pretty petulant if so. Like that's trying too hard to play the long game mm-hmm. versus doing what it takes to try and win that which is in front of you. But we've seen that out of Steve Sarkeesian in his time here at Texas – like, they would have been better off with cuts and card at quarterback last year in the second half of the season. Quinn Ewers was not good, just based on eyeballs, but also statistically, too. Yeah. Steve Sarkeesian, for the sake of Quinn Ewers' growth, kept him in there and wanted him to take his lumps, realizing that it might be costing them a, a game or two in the regular season, but it would be better in the long term. And you can look at the long term up to this point right now and say it paid off. Like, even going back to the bowl game, he had clearly sure. – uh, had a, a big change in philosophy and buy-in with regards to how he needed to conduct himself on and off the field, too, and that's continuing. Sure. And it's a shame that he's hurt right now. But uh, Steve Sarkeesian, he gets a W for that one. But you also wonder at times, like with Malik Murphy last week, I guess they win that game 35-6, to six, so it's justified here. But was he trying too hard to make Malik Murphy comfortable in a manner that neglects what this offense needs to do to win a game. You can get yeah, away. I, 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 I just think he never felt that he was I, – I, and, you know, sometimes you just have a feel for what's going on in the game. I don't think he ever felt like BYU was really threatening to beat in Texas last week. I, I mean, I didn't I, – I was nervous in the beginning until the momentum started with the punt return. I was nervous on the first – you know, when, they, when the interception happened. I was, I was nervous on the first – the play calling early – why are you trying to get him off? Get your running back off first and then get your quarterback in there. Filter him in there, you know, throughout that. But the most important guy to get going is get this offensive line going for the run game, get your running back going, and then work your quarterback in with some of these easy throws. But I thought last week the throw up that many passes that early was like, wow. Now, during the course of the game, as many passes as he throws, that 26 or 27 passes, that's fine because if you're going to find out what a kid can do, he has to pass the ball. You can't just turn around and hand it off to a run. I know you want to win the game, but you are never in jeopardy of losing the game. So throw the ball, find out, but not to start as many throws like they did. And, and I, I, that's the part I didn't agree with, but I think he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. I think everybody got a chance to see if the, the quarterback still needs some work, the red zone needs work, but you still have to do what's best for the team. No matter what, what's best for the team is get Jonathan Brooks off to a fast start. Get your offensive line off to a fast start. And that's not throwing the ball to me. Yeah, look, it's all incremental. Like if he shows he can do certain things early on, then you, then you build things up. But you don't start putting too much on his shoulders. That can have the reverse effect. Yes. That's not to say that's ru- you know what happened last week ruined uh, Malik Murphy's no. confidence or his growth. I, I think the opposite happens, if anything. But by the same token, the coaches were were very reluctant when it was still a game to let him throw the football down the field versus running it a little bit more because they saw a handful of throws sure. that were straight up into coverage. Balls uh, being attempted downfield where he was hitting less than 50% of his passes past the line of scrimmage. They saw, I want to say, three or four balls that could have been intercepted against better defenses 
But thankfully for Malik and this Longhorns offense, just fellas incomplete passes. Yeah, and thanks for this defense. They're still good enough to stop teams like BYU and only give them six points in a football game. Where uh, Yeah. I'm most excited to watch the matchup this weekend, Bucky, because of the Kansas State offense against this Texas defense. Yeah, and I, I, are they – Look like the biggest reason why you should believe in this football team all the way up until the Oklahoma game. But OU and Houston really made you question that. And it was a nice step yes. back in the right direction against BYU last week. But Kansas State poses a much greater challenge on offense for this Texas defense than the Cougars did last week. Yeah, well, and I think they still, once again, have the best coach in the Big 12. I think he, he's up there for sure. If he's not the best, he is one of the two or three best. For yeah, sure. I think he's. I think he is the best. I think for what he has in talent, his coaching and his coaching staff, they are a. They, they don't have to talk physicality every Monday that we want to be physical. That's just what they are. That's that's a part of their team. That's a part of their fiber all the time. So th- this group this week, I I don't know if you're gonna have to talk that into Texas. Are they? Is that what they are? That's. I think that's what we're gonna really find out because we haven't seen it since Alabama. It's been a couple games in between that we've kind of wondered, is it something that you have to talk yourself into or is that just a part of your culture? Sark thinks it's a part of his culture. And I know he's still trying to build that culture. I, I understand that part of it, but it's not a part of it on a week to weekend basis. It really isn't week to week. It's not. It hasn't been for this offensive line for sure. And how do they get back to it? It's got, they won't have a choice on Saturday. They're going to get a rude awakening at, at 11 a.m that this is what's going to happen to them. They're going to have to be that. That is correct. 11 a.m. By the way, you can check out the Texas Sports Unfiltered pregame starting at 8? Eight? Eight, is it 8.30? 8 or 8.30. I'm not sure. And the reason why I'm not 11. totally sure is because I could see BK extending it by 30 minutes because you guys are going to be live yes. at Beer Garden this Saturday before the game. I'm excited about it. A little bit bummed that I'm going to be coaching my kid's volleyball team in her tournaments. During no, you're, going, you're, you're going with champions. You're going to coach a championship game. Trying to win the golden balls. There you go. Out to the champions each and every year in Spike Frog. And I think we've got a pretty good chance at it. But I love broadcasting from Schultz. That is something that will never be lost on me. So to get to be back there to not only broadcast to the people here on YouTube, and then also the Texas Sports Unfiltered app, but live and in person is really special, and I think a sign of some great things to come. Yeah, I do too. And then also uh, with the pregame shows. Yeah, I think we're 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 making a step in the right direction of where we may be next year, and once we are in the SEC, and uh, the ownership of shows is they they wanted us to be down there. They they they, you know, by the way, the Coverts want us to be down there, but they'll have their their cars will be on display down at. Uh, Cigarunde Hall, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a historic area. That place is packed no matter what. Now, last week, you know, we talked about BYU. Not a lot of drinking going on from the BYU fans there. But this week, it will be lit up down there at 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Once we start our broadcast, you know, there's room in Cigarunde Hall to take a seat right in front of us. You know, I know there'll be people asking questions. I think we'll have the, the white marker board. If you've got a question you want to ask us, we can do that. It's just sometimes tough. I, I think people have, and they'll realize that they've seen us uh, all on, on, on radio where they can yell at us, but we're on YouTube TV. So you can't come and walk behind there and start putting your arm around us and doing all that stuff. So it'll be a little, it'll be a little bit different. And 
you know, we won't be yelling out and asking, you know, answering questions to you, but we'll have somebody there. If you have questions for us, we'll get those, we'll get those questions answered from the, from the folks that are out there. And they're expecting a huge crowd there too. Oh yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Kansas state. They typically do a good job of traveling to Austin, especially when their team is, is worth a damn. And this is a big matchup for them too. They realize that they've got an opportunity right here to carve out their path to the Big 12 oh, yeah. championship. And that starts with beating Texas. If you beat Texas, you really do control your own destiny the rest of the way. Now the Kansas game will loom as a big one, especially if the Jayhawks can go into Ames on Saturday and, and win what is a big game for them against an Iowa State team that, I'll be honest, I hadn't left them for dead, but I thought they were one of the worst teams in this conference. I did too. Really good defensively this year. I still think that uh, – they are suspect at best on offense, but to their credit, they are tied atop the standings right now with a four and one record too. And Texas having to go on the road, Texas having to play them there. You know how how that place can be. Much like with the Kansas State game, I've gone back and forth on how I feel about that matchup. It felt like Texas should be able to take care of their business pretty simply there, but it's a different sort of challenge now that you have this uncertainty at the quarterback position that you do. So hopefully by then, either Quinn Ewers is back. Although, if I'm honest, I'm not completely holding my breath on that, knowing AC joint injuries and just how serious they are. But, you know, that'll be three games under Malik Murphy's belt. So maybe he'll have grown that much more by then to where you feel more comfortable with what he is doing across the board as a passer for this offense. And, and your team is now understanding that they are in championship mode. This is it. It starts this week. From this point on, it's all about getting to the championship game. So you're going to have to do – if 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 – if the coach has to tell you about physicality, then you have a problem because you have to understand that's what it is all about now this time of the season. The, the, the prize, there's a big prize at the end of all of this. And you, in order to get to the prize, it's football. This isn't flag football. It's real football. So the physicality doesn't need to be told to you. You just have to have it. That's got to be a part. And this today at practice, this is a very physical day in football, in college football. These Wednesday practices, are a bitch. This is where you get down and dirty for the last time of the week. From that point on, it starts to be a little bit, you know, you start playing some, uh, you know, down and distance type of stuff on Thursdays, Fridays, or walkthroughs to get substitution straight. But generally on this day, uh, Trey, it is let's let's hit hard for the last time of the week. But you got to hit hard. You can't let up during this time of the year. This can't be the let up day where you start to do things like, well, we're not going to hit so hard. No. This is a hard-hitting day on a Wednesday when you're going for a championship. Is it? It is. It is. It, it really is. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are tough days. You know, Mondays that, you know, Mondays get rid of the, the bang-up injuries. Who's going to be able to, to go through a little bit of practice and warm up and things like that? Tuesday's pretty physical. Wednesday's real physical. This, this is the one where you may do some red zone. Uh, let's get after it here. We need to run the ball in the red zone. We need to pick up another first down in this red zone. We need to get the goal line, and then we not we don't need to bring the fat asses in there at you know first and first and goal at the two. Leave those guys on the defensive side where they can work on their defensive stuff. Spread them out. Do whatever we have to do to get a yard for a touchdown. Yeah, they can't get stopped. They can't continue to have that happen to them. Well, they need to figure something else out then because yes. you talked about the physicality and the the best point of this Texas football team not being as physical as last year's. What's happening inside the five yard line? I think it was a great point, and it's why Steve Sarkeesian needs to reconsider what he's doing down there. Maybe you're not starting with Byron Murphy and and Sweat coming into the game as your lead blockers on first down. They've stopped doing it 
two or three times in a row. We're only seeing it on that very first play inside the 10 or inside the five. So but, that's just a pro that's a point trying to be proved to the head coach to all of us. Stop, stop jamming the square peg into the round hole because it's yeah. not working. And all it's doing is showing that you're not quick enough to adjust, which really comes back to bite you against good competition. And that's been a problem for Steve Sarkeesian is consistently beating teams in the top 25 and conference foes on the road throughout his coaching career. It seems like that trend is reversed this year, but there are still some opportunities against top 25 opponents and against foes on the road, TCU, Iowa State, both on the road. Yes. Or those those ugly statistics to show back up. I don't think that it's going to happen. I think Texas takes care of TCU. Ultimately, I'll pick them to beat Iowa State, barring some sort of catastrophic injury. Sure. This weekend's game, though, is anybody's guess. And it's exciting. And I think that there are challenges on both sides of the ball for this Texas football team that – I believe that if they play things right, they will pass those tests with flying colors. On offense, can they win? Can they win this game with with special teams? Or is this just an offensive line, defensive? You know, BK is very adamant about it's, it's all about the lines of scrimmages, which that should be for every game. But can they win this game? Can their special teams carry this group? That, that carried the momentum last week. It really did. Special teams can help. Look, I think Kansas State is going to have some success on offense at times. I do too. I do too. Let that snowball into something worse, and that's something that, other than the Houston and Oklahoma games, the Texas defense has been pretty darn good about how they respond to adversity this year. Sure. So you need the Texas defense to show that they're not going to let one point in time of failure turn into a much larger failure. And for the offense, it's do what works – to help you sustain drives, to help you score touchdowns, but also to wear down that Kansas State defense too. And so that's throwing it some, but it's also showing a willingness to lean on Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter. Yes. Brooks maybe anywhere from 23 to 30 touches in the game, and C.J. Baxter go. probably deserves somewhere in the 10 to 15 range. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, I, I believe that C.J. Baxter is at that point of 10 to 15 carries. But Jonathan Brooks can go more than 22, 23 times. Yeah, look, the guy averaged 6.1 yards a carry versus BYU last Saturday, but he didn't have 100 yards rushing. If I told you that last Wednesday, a week ago, you would assume that Texas was playing from behind versus BYU. But no, it's just what the game plan was. And maybe he was trying to save those Jonathan Brooks bullets for the game this weekend, or maybe he wasn't wise enough at the start of the game to give him the ball a little bit more to help ease this offense into what was going to be a consistent day. Yeah, I, quarterback out. I agree more with that, what you're saying. Right. I, I, I just think he, he was, I think he was trying too hard to find out what he could do with his quarterback. I mean, I, I think, and it didn't take him long to understand that he could beat BYU. So let's do this. Let's do this instead of doing that. But now you're at the point of it's about winning the games. It's about doing what's best for the football team. It's not about what's doing best for an indi for individuals, but in a way, it is about this one individual that plays running back. You got one of the best runners in the country. Wear him out from this point on. From this point out, from if he's going to be here or not be here, wear him out. You know they wasted a uh, wasted that last part of the year on Bijan Robinson. They could have won a, lot, a couple more games if they would have worn that dude out instead of worrying because he wasn't coming back. Y'all knew that. You know, no. wear him out. Give. 
He didn't need to. He didn't need to. He didn't need to have less carries. He needed to have more carries. And and that's where it gets concerning too. It's like with Bijan, if you can't see that, you're trying that hard to develop your quarterback. Whatever Steve Sarkeesian's rationale is, this is just yeah. my offense. Like that bothers you because that was Bijan Robinson. That's what yes. three best running backs to ever play at the University of Texas. So if you can't do it with Bijan, who can you do it with? Yeah, well, that's that's what that's how my thinking is. If you didn't do it then, why would you do it now? He did it a couple of times with Bijan, and I believe it may have been in the Kansas State game last year. He ran a lot of Rocat, and it was Roshan and then maybe Bijan to a lesser degree that mm-hmm. helped Texas cruise to a victory in a game that a lot of people thought Texas might lose that one. Um but uh, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, it's, it seems obvious to a lot of people that Jonathan Brooks needs a heavy workload here. He did it with Bijan his sophomore season at TCU. Yes. Where I think it was Casey Thompson who was the quarterback, wasn't getting anything going. And he realized, if I don't give Bijan Robinson the ball 30-plus times here, we're going to lose this game. And he, and did. he wore him out. And it affected Bijan the next couple of weeks after that, too. I believe the Oklahoma game may have been a week or two after that. And he, he didn't quite look right for a handful of games before finishing the season strong. So if there is a time to do that this season, it is right now. Yes. I will accept the rationale that it wasn't last weekend because BYU wasn't that good and you knew you could handle them. You get the punt return early. That makes things much easier, takes pressure off of you. This is a week that you need to not fuck around, Steve Sarkeesian. Yes, you're right. This is, this is about winning the game. It's about getting to the championship, doing what you do best. And your best player is happens to be your running back then you need to ride him. This is not about ego and getting the ball down the field and making sure your quarterback – your quarterback will be fine if you run the ball and then you move the chains. He'll be fine if you do those things and you play the defense as you need to, but you need your offensive line to get going. They need to pick up – that group needs to pick up the pace for sure. And as I said, guys like Jordan Whittington can't go catchless in a football game. No. I, I just don't think that can happen. Let's tell you about our good friend, Dr. Greg Eckert, of course. And it's almost time for me to go see the good doctor now that November's here. But if you're thinking about taking care of your teeth and you've got dental insurance that you want to use, got to use it or you're going to lose it. Don't wait till the end of this month, getting into December. Dr. Eckert will be full. His schedule will be full of people doing the same thing that you're thinking about doing. So this is a great time of the year to do it. And now he's got a great all-star group of pros who do everything. General dentistry, the most advanced work is restoring teeth, of course. And I got mine done in just two visits with the good doctor. He's done over 1,400 cases of restoring teeth. He's been in the business for over 28 years. But if you want to have a smile in just one day and you're thinking of dental implants, give him a call at 512-345-3166. Find out if you're a candidate for dental implants. Tooth loss solutions, extractions, teeth cleaning, teeth whitening, general dentistry. He's a big part of that. And the good doctor is taking on new patients all the time. But as I said, it's really important this time of the year Trey, where people are starting to say, you know what? I think I'll wait till the last minute to go see the dentist and use up my dental insurance. But you'll find out that those schedules are all filled up in December. So now that the now we're in the new month of November, start giving Dr. Eckert a call and find out if you can become a new patient of his, or if you're still an old patient like me, start making those plans to use that dental insurance right away. And if you're worried about, if you're nervous and scared, if you have to have IV sedation, you can have that done with Dr. Greg Ecker because there's a lot of folks that won't even have their teeth clean, Trey, because they're afraid. They're afraid of the sound of the drill. They're afraid of people digging around in their face. Don't be. 
Don't let that screw up your dental health. Go in there. If you say, doc, I need IV sedation, you'll make an appointment. He'll get that all fixed up for you. He'll smooth knock you out and get you all fixed up. But you got to get fixed up. You know, you can't have your dental care screw up the rest of your health. He's our guy. He should be your guy, too. Oh, that sound. I love that sound. First time I, you know, I wouldn't go to the dentist because I was so nervous. I had a temporary filling in my mouth for 14 years until I met Dr. Ecker. And he goes, what is that? I said, that's that's my filling. He goes, how long you've had that? And I said, he said, that's like cement like they used to use. That's real like cement batter in your tooth. Oh, he said, dude, you could have had some problems underneath that. And I was thinking, well, it lasted for 14 years, Doc. Why don't people use it? I'm figuring out, well, if it's that good, you know, dentists got to get paid too. They can't have stuff to last forever, right? It's like those Nokia brick phones back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. oh. Spike that thing off the ground and it still works just fine versus the fragile phones that we're carrying in our pockets these days. I remember him having to crank it up to get that, that cement out of there too. I've Man. got a filling that's been in my mouth for, I think, three or four months longer than it should have been. It was going to be in for about a year. Are you saying that I need to maybe oh, yeah, it's time. to get that removed? Yeah, because it'll be difficult if, if you get some kind of tooth decay underneath that thing and then they have to remove that and it's so, it's so sensitive then. Yeah, you'll be getting IV sedation. I had to get that when I got my veneers done, of course. I had to get – I was in there for about four hours of surgery to get that done. And they just – they bring your teeth down and they – carve them down. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, I had like little rabbit's teeth. And then they put the veneers over the top of them. Dude, I thought I was going to panic, but I didn't feel a thing. I didn't know a thing. I didn't know anything that happened. And that was fine with me. Mm. Put me under. That's the way I like to go. I don't, I don't, I don't need to see anything. I just need to sleep. So people may be wondering why you are hearing me right now and not BK. Yes or maybe some of you realize exactly what is happening. The Texas Rangers are now within a single win of their first ever World Series. And Brad Kellner, as he has been talking about, at least on the midday show, I'm assuming this show too, is en route to Phoenix, Arizona right now to be in attendance for tonight's game five between the Rangers and Diamondbacks. There was a chance, and there still is a chance, that I was going to join him in Arizona, but I have decided to be less of a deadbeat to my family this evening, unfortunately. And so I've told both my kids that they get to stay up as late as they possibly can to try and watch the Rangers win a World Series this year. But BK is going to be in the crowd. And I have asked him to promise me, which he has, that given the opportunity, if Texas wins the World Series, he's going to cannonball it into that swimming pool. So very nice watching tonight for plenty of reasons. First and foremost, to see if the Rangers can pull it off. But secondly, to see BK cannonballing or maybe can opening or maybe trying to backflip into that swimming Wand pool. dive, the whole works. Texas can pull it. <clears throat> well, I had no idea. You may, he may have discussed this with you, but of course the elderly gentleman, he had, here's where I got contact from him. And guess what? I didn't get, obviously. 11.34 p.m., I got Ooh. my text message from BK that I won't be joining you tomorrow. So do you think – You're going to sleep for probably two hours by that point. Yeah. When did you think I got that? When I woke up this morning, I looked over, and I'm like, oh, BK's – okay. No, no, no. There was no discussion on that. It's good to be the boss. Good to be the king, I guess. King in his court. So he's he, he took off. 
Hadn't he, pri- hadn't he primed you though? Hadn't he told you that no. this is possible? Oh no, oh no, 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 he no. He hasn't no. said anything. No, it's best unless you people heard that during the course of our broadcast. I never got that feeling. Oh, the dew was going to be gone. Now, if they were to come back to Arlington, I think maybe I was thinking he was going to do that, but I never thought dew was taken off. And well, he is I, doing that also, but he will be a part of the, your Friday. Oh, he is. He's show. doing. He's doing both. If this goes to six, he will be a part of the Friday show because then he'll be driving up after that, and I'll probably be doing the midday show with somebody else. Okay. Well, let me Indeed. know. If you, let me know if you need some help. Well, no, Friday. I have the. I have the last of the late Travis High School games. Um, no, that's not Friday. It's Thursday. Oh, wait a second. Means- Friday. Friday is Covert B Cave. He needs to be out at Covert B Cave too. So he's just going to have to leave after Covert B Cave. Yes, that's true. But it's not going to happen because the Rangers are going to close it out tonight. You think so? You think this game gets closed out? Yep. I do. Those D-bags got to win the game, don't they? Yeah, I, think the Rangers Evaldi, I think Evaldi going tonight is a big deal for this Rangers team and also just this grit that they've shown all postseason. On the road. I mean, that's incredible. That's an, that's an incredible deal in any sport to do that. How special would that be? Because they have won every possible road game that they've had up to this point. And they will have played the maximum number of road games other than the Tampa series, which they could have played a third. But if you play a third, that means you've lost one of the first two. So they played the maximum number of road games that they could win consecutively in this postseason up to this point. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's like I said, in any sport, that's hard to do when these kind of these kind of high pressure games on the road. That is, that's, that's incredible. I don't know if they close it out tonight. I hope they do, but I, I don't know about tonight. I mean, they've got their ace going because yeah. we're not, we're going to, we're not going to see Scherzer again. That's done. No, no we, he's all, he's off the roster. He and Garcia for anybody that missed it yesterday, they're done. off the roster. They've been replaced by Brock Burke who pitched last night. Wasn't very good, but it was also his first game action in a while. And then um, Ezekiel Duran, who is a really good util player for the Rangers. I think he's a guy that uh, is a part of the future plans. He is now also on the roster. Now their hopes are that they don't need to use Duran and that they can use Burke like they did last night in sort of mop-up duty, mopping up what was left of the Diamondbacks after getting up 10 to nothing following two different Two out, five run innings. That was incredible. That I mean, this team has the has the ability to do that. They can score in like bunches, but to go back to back innings with five runs was incredible. I thought last night. I'm like, yeah, they can get seven and one, but they're not going to go back and get seven in the next or five in the next. They went five and five. Man, you know what to expect with Corey Seager at this point. Yeah, finally start to see some production out of Marcus Simeon. Which, by the way, you could feel that coming having watched the previous handful yes. of games going back to the Houston series, he was hitting the ball harder and dealing with a little bit of bad luck. Perhaps the pressure was off of him after they scored those first five runs when he was able to hit uh, that three run Homer in the following inning. But I expect Marcus Simeon to be locked into the plate tonight too. So when those two guys are going for you, setting the table for the rest of this Rangers lineup, then watch out. Evan Carter has been good all series long. Mitch Garver's left a, a little bit to be desired, but uh, other guys were showing up here and there. Josh Young being moved up in the lineup last night was really good at punching the ball 
uh, through the middle of the infield. And so we'll see what Texas can do tonight. They have the guy that they want on the mound, the guy that they named as the game one starter in this series, uh, a guy who's been great in the postseason, Nathan Ivaldi. And uh, they'll see if they can get six or seven out innings out of him and yep. then go to a back end of the bullpen that they have a ton of faith in, that, uh, a group that has proven a lot of haters and a lot of doubters wrong with regards to their ability to get the job done here in October. All right. Now- I want to thank our friends over at Woods Comfort Systems. Of course, my heat has kicked on, Trey, and now it kicked back off again. And I probably will be back into the air conditioning system probably by the weekend or so because it'll start to get warm again. But thanks to the folks here at Woods Comfort Center. I've got the contract with them. Made sure that when the heat did come on, nothing coming out of the air, ducks, no dust, no nothing. They came over, got all that stuff, and they've been doing this for over 60 years. So whether it's your heater or your air conditioning, now they're into plumbing, and they'll do just as great a job as they've done with the air conditioning and heating than they will in plumbing. They are absolutely fantastic. And, of course, Brandon Mars. That's right. Brandon Mars over at Top Gun Rentals. I'm out there getting my garden ready for the spring. I'm starting to prep my garden, uh, not doing anything this winter, but I'm using all the tools. I got to get a tiller from Brandon when it's time to start tilling the fields. Well, at least my 15 feet of field that I'm using for my vegetable garden. Cause I'm only doing those type of things. You know, the stuff that I like and the stuff that I will eat. My, I'm, I'm, I may have some zucchini this year, Trey. I may do zucchini this year because I've got to learn how to eat that kind of stuff that I, have been refusing to eat. So I'm going to do my zucchini. Of course, I'm the great lettuce rancher, but I get all that great stuff, of course, at Brandon Mars. And it's not only does he have stuff to rent, but when it comes time to get that pole saw out there or the regular saw, they've got those for sale at uh, Brandon Mars with their two great locations in Austin. Now, where, where are our guys? Are they there? It's, it's time for them to show up. Do they appear? There they are in the dark. Wags, you're not going away. You're not running away today. No, we're here. You're We've gonna, been here. You, you've been there, We've been there waiting. What? How about BK? I get a message from that dude at eleven thirty at night. I know. Does he really think that I'm up at eleven thirty at night? Seven o'clock bedtime later. Yeah, I got. Yeah, a, like, I got a I text from him. Him. I got a text from him, Bucky, and I fell asleep. Just, and and then I woke up, and there were like six texts on there. I'm like, dude. Uh, I'm just curious how Trey kept a straight face for like the past 30 minutes with your antics, Buck. Like just you rambling and shit. Like I'm, I am shocked that Trey can even hang into the conversation. The you had me, me, you had me going off on on a damn rocker. That's why I had to keep my damn screen shut. I didn't want to make you guys laugh and stuff. I'm over here losing my cool and everything. No man, trick or treat was great. Everything's good. My life is good. I'm very very blessed. Got great people that I work with, great people that I can be around, people that I can trust. Nobody's pulling the rug out from under me yet. Oh, you know what I am? Yet. My wife is good to me. You know what? My wife did not, you know, I felt very bad. She didn't get a chance to go to Jerusalem. I felt bad about that. She wanted to go to Israel. I felt very, very bad that she didn't get to go on that. That was a lifelong dream for her. And someday I hope she gets a chance to do that. But very, you know, a lot of disappointment, a lot of disappointment yeah. in the world right now. Sure. Yeah, and so right. I was, I'm glad the kids got out and had a good time last night. And, and I haven't read about anything weird happening, but I'm sure there's some weird ass stuff out there. Yeah. Hey, hey, Bucky. Spoiler alert for 99.9% of kids on Halloween. Nobody's trying to kidnap you. Nobody's trying to put razor blades in your apples. Nobody's even giving you apples. Nobody's putting fentanyl no. in your Halloween candy. These things are not happening. It's cute yeah. that we worry about our kids this degree because this is a fucked up world that we live in. 
But much like the 1980s, well, if you go back to the 1970s, there was a lot of accepted pedophilia going on. But going back to the 1980s, the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now, nobody wants your fucking kids. I was in that area of the razor blade apple deal. When I, when yeah. I was in, I, I think I was in Illinois at that time. But that that stuff was ha that kind of weird stuff was happening. No, there was one example of it. Come on, it man! Dad who did it to his own kid. What? Oh, yeah. Oh. Trey, uh, the Amber Alerts. Anytime these things happen, it's not a random act of whatever. It is usually yeah. one deadbeat family member correct. doing it to another family. Yeah, member. that's right. That's and right. The scare tactics go down so that they can keep their money thriving as well. It's it's exactly. the, it's the exception is Adam Walsh. Adam Walsh freaked yeah. out in the 1980s. Yeah. Well, right. I always said I always said I always said with my kids, if somebody, God forbid, kidnapped them, they'd fucking bring them back. Because they're like, no. They'd come drop them on, on the doorstep over there and be like, no, no, you them over them. the fence here. Take hey, them. Y'all got to raise this one better than that, man. I ain't taking yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that one. You got to do a better job than that. All right, boys, <laughs> have a great show. And uh, I, hopefully I'll see you guys out there Friday. I mean, there maybe maybe BK, maybe BK will be back. Maybe he won't. But slam time. Thank you very much, Trey. It was good to be with you, buddy. You too, hey, buddy. I'll talk slam. to you soon. Whoosh.